0: Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Decked drawer systems. I've always loved Decked as is, but it's even better now because they just redesigned their drawer system and storage cases from the ground up. They got the DECO case line. These cases are as tough, if not tougher, than Pelican case or Go boxes. Totally waterproof and dustproof. You can literally run over them in your truck and they will be fine. High quality latches and handles make them really easy to use. They look great. They are made in the USA. To check it out, go to decked.com slash meat get yourself free shipping. This is the Meat Eater podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug bitten, and in my case, underwearless. the Meat Eater podcast.
1: You can't predict anything.
0: Uh, whatever state you guys are from, are you from the west or east side of the state? West. West side? Where I'm from, like where I grew up. The state you were born in. I don't yep. even care what it is. East. The east? Yep. And west. you were born... No, kind of. You're right dead nuts. No, we're not. Not even kind of. So you think you're West Michigan? Southwest Michigan. Yeah, that's what we call but it. But I'm not talking about... I'm not talking about... I know, about lati- I know. La- I'm not okay. talking about latitude. Sure. But when someone says...
2: Where is Kalamazoo in you Michigan? Say West Michigan. I say Southwest Michigan.
0: Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, my God. Get a map out. <laughs> oh, I know where it is. I just don't know if it has the West Michigan sensibility. The reason yeah. I'm bringing this up is because, remember we talked about how you guys didn't grow up flipping off your buddies as a way to say hi? <laughs> no. Okay, because hear me out.
2: Have you ever met anybody else that yeah, said, okay. "Oh yeah, we Check did this that." Out.
0: Check this out. What brought up the conversation about the Michigan hello, which is the middle finger, is we were talking about the. Some guy was saying, "Man, you should like it's bad to say mugs," and this guy happened to be Australian because it, we just use mugs like, "Hey, friend," you know, "friendo." Um, it's more like "Hey, friendo," where it's like "friend" with a little a little right? jab in there. Um, he was saying, Oh, that's a horrible thing to say. And so we we're looking up like what mugs means in different places. And I think it means something kind of awful in Australia. And in this discussion, one guy wrote in to say, like, man, I would never take any advice from people in Australia. In Australia, they call their their Michigan hello or, or their mugs is to call everybody the the queen mother of all swear words. Mm. The C word. That's right. One day, my little boy made a list of all the naughty words he knew. <laughs> he's a public school kid. Made a list on a board, on a plank out in the garage with a Sharpie, a list of all the naughty words he knew. And I said, you know what? You almost got them all, but there's one I will never tell you. I'm just dying to know what it is. He even knows what letter it starts with, but I, I, will, I will never divulge. They use that word as a salutation. So this other guy was saying, plus... You know, he brought up like swearing allegiance to the crown. He brought up all kinds of reasons why he wouldn't take advice from an Australian about how to speak to people. But in talking about the middle finger, it turns out that we get a letter from a guy who, like, just without any prompting, clarified that he's from Western Wisconsin. And then we got a guy who wrote in about the middle finger and he clarified these from Western Wyoming. So I was wondering if in every state, there's this weird phenomenon where in every phenomenon, where in every state, people that live in the west half of that state flip people flip their friends off as a way <laughs> to say hi. This guy in western Wisconsin said it was so prevalent he said that if his buddy didn't flip him off when he's driving by, he would thinks something was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty prevalent he where I, I grew up. He thinks that the guy must be mad at him. Yeah, western Washington,
3: I I mean maybe it was just my jackass friends, but I feel like that was completely
0: ubiquitous. Yeah. Another thing about the bird, the guy from Western Wyoming said, we really differentiated between putting your thumb out or not. And like, you might put your thumb out and give the bird to your buddy. And it was kind of like
1: the exclamation point on it.
0: Yeah. It was like it meant something different. And he said, it's like the old man bird, which has your thumb in. He was saying he got in the habit of doing it so much that one day he flipped his old man off and his mom whooped him. <laughs> so she wasn't she was from the eastern part of her state. Didn't realize. Uh guy wrote in. This this is kinda like it's kind of a moot point now. But a dude wrote in being like, Man, um he's talking about Secretary uh Zinky leaving leave, leaving his position. And he's saying, Oh, you know, you never got it right and you handled Zinky with kids' gloves. I don't want to dwell on this. I'm just gonna say, dude. Wait and see his replacement and then come tell me Yeah, that I handled Zinky with kids' gloves. You'll be looking back at the good old days real soon, perhaps. Um guy wrote in to say that this year, no. That in Mississippi, remember talking about uh Yanni were talking a lot about whether people can actually like tell how old Bucks are? Mm-hmm. And letting bucks walk and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. When we were talking with Mark Kenyon. Yeah. He wrote in that um we were talking about like it like growing up in Michigan, like no one ever shot everybody always just shot spikes and forkies. Every buck. But he's saying like in, in Mississippi? It's he says it's a different, he's been it's a different situation down there. He, this is old data. This is 20 2014-2015 in Mississippi. 74% of the bucks killed in Mississippi were aged. So like that's not you guessing. They were aged at three and a half years and older. Seventy four percent of the bucks. For you uh, numbskulls, three quarters of the almost three quarters (laughs) of the bucks in Mississippi, three and are like borderline like mature bucks, three and a half and older. Dude, (laughs) man, that's like way different than a lot of places. Changing all the time.
2: Well, we think it's way different, but do we have that kind of data from
0: other places? I would love to go find it. I would love to go find, like when I was a youngster, I would love to go find, what year did I shoot? When did I shoot my first buck? Like back in the mid-80s, right? I would love to know when I was just like like a young teenager entering into my teens, I would love to know, and in, in those, in that collection of counties or statewide in general, I I, I would say those seventy. I was the opposite. I would say it was seventy five. And this is just me pulling this out of the out of thin air, but I bet it was seventy five percent were one and a half, were just spikes, and, you know, fork spikes, little sixes. We thought a big buck was just a year and a half old. that had a bigger because they'll throw an eight point rack, you know, they'll throw a Michigan eight. So we got, that was a big buck.
2: But maybe you were being fooled, too, that maybe there was basket racks, sixes and eights that were actually three and a half years old. No.
1: Just genetics run into play in those? Yeah. Yeah. No. I don't think so.
0: But how can I really defend my position? Because I don't have any... The the material's out there. I was just looking at a, a sweet collection of maps that a dude sent in that was... um. It was going back into the 1920s, 1930s, 1940s and showing what parts of the state of Michigan were open and closed for deer hunting. Mm. And there was big periods of time, like, you know, when all the animals got wiped out. There's big periods of time when there would only be like a little block of the state open. Like they'd have a deer season. The entire southern third of the state would be closed to deer hunting. And it would just, you know, every year they'd be like, you just bounce around as they were trying to recover deer. You'd look at something very similar in your own lifetime if you went and looked at turkey. Yeah, how turkey season's filled in as turkeys were recovered. Uh, guy wrote in about this. You guys ever hear this? That there's a, I don't know if this is true. He says there's a cover scent that basically functions like Vicks Vapor Rub. When you were a little kid, would you ma rub Vicks Vapor Rub on your chest? Yeah. yeah. Yep. So you'd get like, it like menthol. waft up. Yeah. He says there's a cover scent that's like menthol. And it's just meant to throw off a deer's ability to know what's going on.
3: Man, I've heard of stuff like that, and I just don't really end up giving much credence to pretty much anything. On the scent can. So the deer oh, rolls,
0: and kind of he's like, "Whoa, shit. bro! I can't smell anything. <laughs> it's just bigs paper." It's just bro. like
3: swamping their senses. I mean, maybe there's something you, you haven't it. heard of this. I, I I've heard of all sorts of stuff with, like that, and I don't think I really even register most most of it. Is that the stuff that's supposed to smell like cookies or whatever? No, like he said it smells like
0: menthol. Beer. He's asking me or us, right, what we think of it. I don't even know enough about it. I wish Mark Kenyon was here. Yeah, I'd never uh, heard of that one. You yeah. know, if you're listening right now, send your question to Wired to Hunt. <laughs> you'll get, dude, you'll get thirty minutes on like, you'll get thirty minutes because you'll know about it. I guarantee. Yeah, hell, hell, hell. I guarantee Canyon will like know about it and have some kind of opinion on it. Um, in the ongoing co- listing and uh, collecting of. Shit that makes turkeys gobble. <laughs> Guy wrote in. He was out hunting one time, got all sick, started puking, rolled into dry heaves, and gobbled up a bird. Dry heaving out in the woods. <laughs> his buddy called. Young. He says his buddy called it in and killed it. A train engineer says that he can get him to he can get him to shot gobble with his train whistle. He says, but it's so damn loud you can't hear the birds. But he'll see him out in the field, blow the whistle, and see him stick their neck out and gobble even I'll though he can't up. hear it. He's up in his train engine. <laughs> <laughs> so dry heaves and train whistles. Uh, Giannis's heart. Here's a good. Gianni gets. I, I only forward Giannis like a very small percentage of people concerned about his heart. You get any good tips off that? Hot tip? Well, you know there was so many after my recent clarification, which I felt like
2: I did a good job of saying. I'm feeling good folks but people so, care about you I know they do but we got quite a few emails being like oh man I know exactly what's wrong with you you better call <laughs> me or this that and the other and so I felt like we I might have somehow miscommunicated and not given off the uh you know the appearance that I'm fine and like I'm doing good and I feel comfortable with the situation and so yeah one of the guys that wrote in was like dude you got to call me so I did. <laughs> <laughs> so I chatted up. I got like a, you know, like a, a, um, what do you call it when you go back? Like a, like a checkup, um, follow up from a, a guy, a doctor out of uh, Great Falls. Was it
0: a doctor like, that called you that you wanted to email? Yeah. Oh, so a doctor said call me. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. yeah. And so it's good to know doctors because I, I email doctors every week where I got a question. No, for sure. And it was
2: good because I basically ran through everything and he's like, Sounds like you're right on track. You've are you uh, you know you've done all the tests that I would have recommended and you, you understand what's going on. I'm glad that you're on the aspirin today. And the only thing I would say is that don't wait until you're 65 to go see your cardiologist again. Maybe check
0: in just a little more often. <laughs> Always nice to have a second opinion. Totally. Dude, you need to have doctors in your pocket, man. I'd like to have a doctor in each back pocket at all times. Because I, cause, well, first of the first day a guy wrote in And yeah, I don't know about like, I hope he's not listening. No, it's fine. He wrote in and he's like, his buddy has to go down some kind of emergency and get an MRI and the MRI machine is backed up. Okay. So he's got to wait. And some doctors like, Hey, as long as you're waiting, let's do the x-ray first to see if there's any metals. To verify, there's no metals. Like they'll, because you know the MRIs are magnets that'll draw the metals mm. out of you. So if you yeah. got implants and stuff, yeah. they have steel. But he, but, the, and he says that thank goodness, thank God, he did the X-ray because his body had inadvertently swallowed a piece of shot that was residing in his stomach,
1: oh, wow. and that that
0: MRI would have drawn the, little the piece shot. Out. Right, right out. Right through. Now. Yeah, for sure. That's I verified that with my doctor friend, D. No D, kid. the doctor. I should call D right now. So I wrote back and said, well, because he said it was from eating turkeys. And I'm like, but you were using steel shot for turkeys? You sure you weren't using like copper-plated lead? Mm-hmm. Or brass-plated lead? They have both, I think. Because the magnet wouldn't draw on lead. Then, and then I emailed my doctor buddy D, Dr. D, to ask her, uh, the MRI wouldn't pull, like it has to be something with iron in it for the magnets to pull it. And she's like, yeah, and that's why it's standard procedure to always check people with x-rays to make sure they don't have any metal. And then the dude wrote back and said, yeah, in fact, it was steel. They were hunting Turks with steel shot. Mm -hmm. So it'd be pretty interesting to have that BB drawn out of your body. Little pinhole. You would it would so now was... the thing that would worry me. You
2: call that interesting, huh? I would
0: like it just for the story. If really. it got drawn straight out, but let's say it got sucked by a magnet. Let's say they put the magnet on top of your head, pulled through your body, and drew it that way. Oof. Man, that's not interesting. Yeah. No, but just a straight shot, just like bounce
2: across every vertebra as it runs <laughs> up your spine, <laughs> and then right through your cranium. Through
0: your cranium. <laughs> I don't know how strong the magnets are, but I felt you're, that you're if just it,
2: hoping for like maybe through the out. liver. No, man, you'd hope they shut nothing. it off when you
0: started screaming. <laughs> I don't yeah. know how fast it draws that thing in. I need to call. I need, <laughs> yeah. really, the point being, it's nice to have doctors you can call up and ask yeah. good questions to. No, here's another
2: example of that. Uh, we, Steve and I guided a orthopedic surgeon in Colorado this accompanied. year. Accompanied, accompanied, right. We were doing a fundraiser. That's right. So we, we weren't being paid for this, but yeah, we hunted with them. And uh, I was always wondering what the actual name for what I call, refer to the pelvic crest on a deer, which is like when you kind of break open its back legs and you slice away the meat and you've got what looks to me very much like a crest-like piece of bone. You, and you cut both you saw sides. each sides of it. Yeah, and you pull it out. And just because I was, I don't know, I was writing something about that, doing that process, I thought, well, I might not be calling it the right thing. So figured bone guy. Orthopedic surgeon. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't know off the top of his head, but he did a little bit of digging and quickly found out that it is called the symphysial crest. Hmm. Is that right? Yeah. So I was right with crest. It's just not halfway there. Yeah. So it is in the pelvic area. So you know what a butt crack is called? (laughs) <laughs> oh, technically, no, I don't.
0: The gluteal crease. Oh. I like that. That makes sense. I like that a lot. Uh. Um, it just sounds so less personal than your butt crack, right? <laughs> you guys ought to introduce yourselves real quick,
3: by the way. Yeah. And what you do here, Sam Lunger, an associate editor at Meat Eater.
1: And Morgan Mason, same, associate editor over here.
0: Good stuff, guys. Yeah. Yanni, uh, real quick while you're on it. hmm Are you at liberty to talk about what's happening over your place tonight? Or no? Oh, because it'll it'll be long gone by then.
2: Yeah. What, are you worried that, like, a party's going to be crashed? No, you
0: might not like to talk
2: about stuff that's happening at your house. Oh, yeah, I hear you. I've been thinking about that lately, too, about how much, you know, being that, you know, we're out in the public eye more and more and more and how much of that stuff you keep private. But, no, I'd love to talk about it. It's, uh, would you like me to?
0: Sure. Well, I I wouldn't have brought it up.
2: We're doing a uh, little winter solstice festivity festival um, festivities, um, which is going
0: to involve pagan rituals.
2: Yeah, pretty <laughs> yeah. Much. Yanni's
0: into the, he's 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 yeah, yeah. They celebrate pagan stuff. Yeah, but really,
2: totally. the, I say the biggest reason we're actually doing this, and that my wife's interested in doing it, is that is the the tradition of it. Yeah. So we've done it three or four years now, and like whoever's with us over the holidays, we sort of—it's not always on the winter solstice, but we, even if we're, we might do this at New Year's sometimes because you're kind of celebrating New Year's ish type stuff, right—the ending of one year, the beginning of another. And whether you want to do that on the winter solstice when
0: the days start becoming longer, it's more logical. Uh, yeah, for in sure. In the Gregorian, how, is that how you say that? The Gregorian calendar—it's more logical. I don't know, because that's just some arbitrary like. Like New Year's should be right now. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, either last night or
2: tonight. Yeah. It's kind of nice to think about that, isn't it? When you realize that that like tomorrow the day is gonna be a little bit longer. I spent yeah. like ten it's minutes ex-
0: I spent ten minutes explaining this to my kids. But their thinking is they're like, they want it to be real dramatic.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> you gotta move it. I was like, no, it'll be like, you know, like every day it'll be like sub a minute, right? And they thought for a minute, I had their hopes up where they thought all of a sudden tomorrow's gonna be like hotter than balls. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Light out till 10 p.m.
0: Oh, yeah, that's funny. Uh, but, and you guys, in the old days, the Latvians, correct me if I'm wrong here, mm-hmm. in the old days, the Latvians would get a hunk of molten lead and fire it into a bucket of water.
2: Yeah, and we were thinking about doing that too. And I think we've just, we just sort of ran out of time. Um, I'm still I'm still contemplating going and going by and grabbing some fish, bunch
0: of fishing weights. Um, Bring a little. We used to melt yeah. lead with blowtorches. Yeah, get in there and huff that. It's good for your brain. Yeah, <laughs> totally. You guys, um, you guys track what we're saying by about throwing lead into a bucket. I am not. You know, in some cultures, you take a chicken and kill a chicken and lay its guts out and watch how the guts squirm, and then you can tell the future. I've heard of it. Well, Latvians, um, they like to take a hunk of molten lead and throw it into a bucket. Then you pull it out of the bucket and you get a candle going and you throw a shadow of your lead shape because it makes a wild shape. You throw a shadow of that off the wall, off a candle, take a gander up there and then see what's going to happen. Yeah. Everybody it's else. Like, We're going to get group- eaten by a large monster.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For everybody that's like seven years and younger, it's usually that. And there's always a lot of boats. For some reason, uh, a, like a chunk of melted lead that's just recently been, you know, reformed into into a solid, a uh, uh, shape that it other or, or the shadow that it often
0: throws is some sort of boat-like thing. Because everybody's going on a cruise next year, <laughs> or it could just be like some. I mean, if you predicted for me, if I throw my lead and I throw a shadow up on the wall and I look yonder and you and I see a boat, and someone said, "Man, I think over the course of the next year." You'll be in a boat. I'd be like, I think you're probably right. <laughs> I got a feeling you're right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I went to a summer solstice party at an environmental historian's home. Mm-hmm. Who's been a guest on this show, Dan Flores. And he had the big... You don't really have a spot for this. He had a sundial. Out a rock. Okay. So he could... You know, track the shadows throughout the year. It was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And then, right at the appropriate time, everyone would, uh, at the time that he would call, he would say that this party was a collection of elite, he he said it was an elite group of hard players, meaning an elite group of hard partiers. Mm -hmm. And uh, everybody would be pretty partied up. And at the appropriate time, you would all dance. Like, like the sun, the shadow of the sundial throws in a certain direction. So, as the summer goes on, days get longer, longer, longer. And you would dance in a reverse direction of the course that the shadow was taking. And everyone, you know, all liquored up and everything. And you're all dancing and hooting and hooping, you know, whooping and hollering around the dial for quite a long time. And it was like you were collectively harnessing your energies in order to send the sun back in the direction
1: like reverse the time send change. it back. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting state of mind.
0: Yep. Summer so, solstice party. I mean, you know, it wasn't like he was I don't think people thought that they were like literally reversing the course of the sun, but it was a celebration of it was of it was what like
2: what is actually going on, right? They're saying yeah. that like there's
0: going to be less sun now and we're sort of going to help that along. Yeah, like yeah. it's getting too yeah, too much. Too much. You need to throttle her back a little bit, and so you'd send the sun back down, and it was a way of anchoring. I think it's just like, like a nice way of anchoring your calendar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. We, tonight... Oh, you know, I'm, there's something about your heart lead. I was supposed to bring up. But oh. Go go ahead, Bobby. I, need, I don't want to get so far away from your heart that I lose my point. Okay. But go ahead. Throw in lead.
2: So, we're not going to throw lead. The is that what, they, is that what they call it? That we're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> try-
0: How do you say it in Latvian, throwing lead or whatever the um, term would be?
2: I think it is. I think not it's mess. Mess. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Um,
1: <laughs> Does your pop have the deal where he's like doing the signs on the body like he did up uh, with the caribou hunt? No.
2: Like no. blessing the rifle? No. That's just for kids, you know? Okay. Um. But no, mest svino, I think is what it's called. I think it's a throw lad.
0: Mest svino? Svins is. I lead. thought it'd be more
2: like landa, danda, danda. Yeah. <sighs> like so most a, other <laughs> Latvian words. Kind of sounds like that.
1: So, what's the process with the lead? You boil it down in something and just like have a No, so of water you just or? like
2: have like a pot that you got at Goodwill that you're not going to use. For Those anything else besides this, tomorrow. and and, and, th- and throw in uh, a <laughs> you
0: know, crucible from yeah, <laughs> Goodwill. <laughs> yeah, uh, where do you guys keep the crucibles?
2: <laughs> and a Bunsen burner. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, you just melt it down, and then when it's in a liquid form, you just take it and hold it right over the bucket of cold water, and just one one fell swoop. Yeah, the key is to do it fast and all at once, because if you drip it in there, you can imagine what you get. That makes um, sense. You're gonna see boat shapes, like with all that weight coming down,
1: like how the water reacts definitely. with the But I think
0: people see the water and it puts them in a boating frame of mind too, perhaps. You mm. see both of that. Yeah. Uh my old man had all the paraphernalia for dealing with lead. He had a sweet little uh what is that material? It's like cast, but it's not. Like yeah. picture like um It looks galvanized, God, I can't think of the word. But it's uh you know, like the super heavy cast iron things with a little spout on them.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah like and hit like the little
0: tippers and everything. Yep. And we go down, we had the we had the, the we had the molds to make your own fishing sinkers. But we'd go down and get all of our lead out of the at the rifle range down the road. We had a rifle range about a mile and a half. We could ride our bikes down a road that we dubbed Dead Dog Road because strangest thing, for a long period of growing up, you'd look in the ditch off that road and would often be able to find dead dogs i like we could never solve the mystery or magazines of a certain genre Mm. would be like (laughs) what you'd find in this ditch so we call it like our road at end and then dead dog road to begin and down dead dog road you go left into the shooting range and we would without doing any kind of things like putting flags up and whatnot to notify people that we were down there we would go down with the sand of the sifter and sift out bullet lead and Use that to pour up our own sinkers in our sinker mold. but bullet lead, there's additives in there. So you know, like normally when you bite a fishing sinker, um, it's soft. Yep. But when you'd bite our sinkers, you would hear your teeth go <laughs> every time because there was all those hardeners in there, man. It was a nasty was fishing rough It was on a your bad fishing, fishing experiment, man. Yeah, it was horrible yeah. sinkers, horrible sinkers. but we never thought to go get tire weights. Yeah. Which most people who want to melt
3: some lead up. That's what we always used. My dad and I used nice to make soft lead. Buzz bombs and stuff like that. Uh
2: tire weights. And yeah. Whatnot. What's a buzz bomb?
3: Uh it's a it's a long kind of diamond shaped casting lure for salmon that you can just huck a country mile off the beach.
0: Oh yeah, because you guys were like Pacific Coast. Yeah. yeah,
3: Yeah, so we did a lot you of were beach, throwing beach for casting what? for salmon, mostly pinks and silvers, but you'd run into kings time to time. Yeah, oh man, along, along the west coast of Whidbey Island where I grew up, when the pink salmon run was on, like you, you could go out to certain places and see a thousand people stretching for a couple miles down the beach, just talking buzz
0: bombs. And when, you, and when you threw a bird
3: down the beach, they knew you were just saying hi. <laughs> One time when I was doing that, I drilled a seagull out of the air with a buzz bomb when there was, you know... 500 people within inside of me and they all thought I did it on purpose when the worst thing was like, I was kind of like, Oh, hey, there's a seagull coming by. I didn't think in a, you know, a million chances. How would you do it on purpose? There's no way you do if it on purpose. bet you a
0: thousand bucks, right? There's no way you're going to knock a seagull out of the sky. But
3: speaking of flipping the birds, there are some people who thought that was pretty, uh pretty bad idea of me to do and were, <laughs> and thought was, you did it on purpose. Thought I did it on purpose, but I had to fight that thing all the way in, pin it down and unhook it. It was pretty unpleasant with that. Oh, people not only did you me. hit it, but you hooked oh, it. Yeah, you, you got you tied into him. Yeah, sure. Pulling drag. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was up in the air, then down in the water, and
0: oh, squawking, man, that's and raising horrible. all hell. It's, it's not horrible without an audience, but it probably becomes horrible with an audience. <laughs> A little
3: yeah, bit worse yeah. about it. Well, I've I've found throughout the course of my life that catching shit on fishing gear that isn't fish is
0: generally unpleasant. Mm. Yeah. yeah, turtles. No, yeah, it's never any fun. Never. Any yeah, fun. we dealt with the pelican once uh i still need to get back to why i brought up
2: your heart Yep. we got off of um, what we're gonna be doing tonight we're, oh because no, I, I just party. explained the uh yeah winter solstice i'm coming up with
0: my boys my daughter can't come oh you guys are coming
2: that's good to know i don't think you invited me i think you invited my wife i invited your whole family oh but you guys didn't rsvp really i'm glad we know now
0: i'm coming up with two boys all right we're
2: ready for you but what we're going to do, just so everybody knows what Steve will be doing or what he was doing on the evening of the 21st, we're going to have a bonfire. Throwing chicken guts, throwing lead. No chicken guts. <laughs> bonfire. We're going to drag a Yule log around the house. We're going to sing some songs. Which, how do you guys feel about that? My wife thinks that Americans in general are very uncomfortable with singing songs in public. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I hate it. Increasingly, Unless so it's like Why it used to, be is way that? More,
3: way, used to be way more common, seems like.
2: Yeah, like I was just reading in the paper, uh, some article the other day that like Christmas caroling is like this thing that used to be. It's like we used
0: to do it every year when we were kids. Yeah. yeah. Mrs. Babcock would organize it.
2: Yeah. And sure, you kind of hated it, but I think as you do it more, you kind of like realize, you know, the benefits of it. And I don't know. I feel like singing makes you feel good when you do it. And it's just interesting that. Americans really don't like doing well, it. Well, no,
0: because I always sing my song, um, Yanni, Yanni, Chimani. <laughs> I sing that all the time. Yep. We yep. sing a lot, out, hun. But no, like when my kids have a birthday and there's people over and it comes down to sing the birthday song, I'm never stoked to sing the birthday song. Yeah, that's not the kind of singing I'm talking about. I
3: hey, know what yeah. you mean, though. It seems like it used to be a lot more common than yeah. it is now.
2: So we're going to stand All around right. the bonfire, sing a few songs, sing some songs while we're pulling the Yule log around, and then the the real, well, that's part of the tradition and the whole winter solstice. How big's the thing. Yule
0: log? Are we going to like need a team of oxen or what? No, you know it'll be. You just had your house redone. You're going to drag a log through it? To no, around it. Oh, around it. around it. it. You can do it three times, you know, to basically
2: bless the house and you know get rid of evil spirits and get it ready for the next year. You're going to lose then, a lot
0: of people on that hill. I know there's a
2: we have a <laughs> we have a corner, man, where there's not a lot of
0: space. You need to put up a rope people can hold on to. Yeah. It. Little carabiners they can clip into every time they but come But When around that's the house. done, you go to the bonfire, and then we have
2: an axe. And you can either, you know, to everybody there, express in words what you're chopping into the log, or you can just keep it in your own head. But the the gist of it is, is that you're chopping. Like the shitty things from the prior year, the demons, the dragons, the battles, the hurdles, negative stuff, whatever, and you're ch- you're chopping it into the log, out of your body into the log. Oh, that sounds cathartic. And I then like I don't buy that. And then <laughs> you pick up the log goes into the fire. I feel like every guy with a wood oh. stove does that every time
0: he chops. He's like,
1: bitch! exactly. <laughs> but um, now.
0: how is it that, that you're well. chopping it into it? I feel like what it should be... It's symbolic. I think it should be that you knock <laughs> a chunk out of the log. The log is your your everything. Mm-hmm. You come in at a 45, come in at a reverse 45, knock out a little chip. That's the... right Throw that in the fire. Toss that in. Get rid well, of
2: those it. chips will be lying there, so if that's how you want to do it, you can throw the little chip in there for sure.
1: Cool. It's pretty subje- subjective
2: on the approach on this like you just have your angle know what you want to do yeah totally i'm sure there's some you know crazy real real traditional pagan latvian that'll say no we're doing it all
0: wrong but uh i need to get back to you why i brought up your heart but yeah real quick you guys would paint those buzz bombs huh yeah how would you paint them usually uh bubblegum pink what kind of paint I mean, just like rustoleum, oleum Yeah, I think paint. We like did, did all sorts paint? of different
3: stuff. Like I remember, I was into powder coating stuff for a while, but yeah. I can't remember if I was doing that for my steelhead jigs or buzz bombs. I I don't I don't honestly remember, but like hard enamel yeah, stuff curious, because you'd be banging our, it on rocks and all sorts of stuff. I paint my own halibut jigs, and that's always a letdown, man. Yeah, yeah, it chips off so damn fast. If you're you just gotta fishing halibut, layers. it
0: stays good. Yeah, because then you're you're trying to put glow in the dark on there, right? Right, like powder yeah, a lot of times. If you're just jigging halibut, it's good. But as soon as you start banging rocks for yeah for halibut, are
3: ling- typically over a sandy bottom. But yeah, yeah as soon as, as you like tough. banging
0: rocks for lingcod or banging rocks for rockfish, then you pull it up. and It's like all that hard work. You just got like a lead jig again.
3: Yeah, but I also kind of like ones that are a little battle scarred. I've always. Uh, Always thought that it needs like a little bit of seasoning before something's fishing well, especially with jigs. Like once it once there's a little bit of chip, maybe it makes it gives it a little bit bit more of a realistic pattern or something. I don't know.
0: I haven't noticed that. I've, I've I think that's in your head. <laughs> about but, once, all sorts of shit. but what's in people's heads is important, man. Yeah, I think so. I used to hate talking with people about hunting gear and fishing gear, and then they'd like something stupid, and I'd be like, man, I think that's stupid. And then they'd say, well, it works for me. And I used to not like it, but the, the, now I understand it and like it. Yeah. I talk, I talk to
3: people about that all the time that what you're fishing is less about having it right, you know, from objective standards and more what you're confident in. That's what, that's what I say all the time with steelhead. It's like pick a, no, don't pick like the, the fly that, you know, some professional thinks you should pick, pick the one that you're confident in, the one that you're going to feel like you're fishing well. All day, feel that like is working for you, and 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 have that sense of find that sense of confidence. Yeah, and that's what's going to catch you fish. Not trying to rely
0: on somebody else's expertise. Yeah, like this year, man, it's, it's funny that because this year I tried a whole new kind of uh, flutter jig for jigging halibut. And we do we traditionally always use just like classic lead heads, but I mean they're sixteen ounce mm-hmm. lead heads, right? Like just a big lead head with a big j-hook coming out of it and then on that you put you know like Scandy. your classic just like you're rigging up for smallmouth bass but everything's like way bigger and then you yeah. got like a 10 inch grub body on it yep. not 10 inch six eight inch grub body on it yeah and i switched to a flutter jig and at first you're fishing it and you're not fishing like you are when you're fishing something you love but then i want to on day one late in, late on day one of halibut fishing smack two very nice halibut Then you should see me fishing that jig. Yeah. Then you're you're playing for keeps, man. I'm sitting up there just jigging, jigging. Not like, you know, you're in it
3: because you're like, oh, this thing
0: works. Then you're fishing seriously.
3: So it's self fulfilling, right? It definitely is. It takes a while. It takes a while to develop that with uh, new patterns, techniques, all sorts of stuff. And some there's a lot of things that I've just never gotten past. It. It's like I never figured out how to fish this. Never worked for me. I've got probably boxes full of flies and. And lures that I tried one time. And I was like, nah, I'm not really feeling it. Never really stuck it out long enough to make it work. Because sometimes you just default to those things. But then sometimes, like, that, you're just like, oh, shit. That's, so. me,
0: that's me with any kind of um, surface bait. Yeah. <laughs> I just, like... And I was like, yeah, oh man, man, surface baits. <laughs> oh, there,
3: I have a, th- this last spring I took my dad to Wisconsin on a musky trip and a friend had told us to get this, this new fancy surface bait called the whopper plopper. And like I was it. like, well, that's the dumbest name I've ever heard of. And then I saw it and I was like, well, that's the dumbest looking lure I've ever seen. And it's, it's like, it's like a Zara spook kind of like a, like a, just like a cigar bait, no lip, no nothing. But the back end has like a little fin and it goes blap blap
0: blap spinning around. And Did you know was, how noisy muskrats are when they are swimming.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Real <laughs> noisy. They're just like throwing water everywhere,
2: but the wounded ones are.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I just, I just couldn't, I just couldn't handle it, but he went and bought five of them of course. And, and then first day he landed like a six like a pound, pound from the You Gotta get
0: a loan from the bank to buy five <laughs> musky plugs.
3: Yeah, seriously, he got a he got a huge smalley on it the first day, and then a big musky on it the second day. And then after he caught that his first musky on this bait that I didn't think was going to work, he busted out another lure that I had even less confidence in called the suicide duckling. Okay. <laughs> literally looks like a rubber duck. Like these guys
0: should get a job naming hot sauce.
3: Yeah, absolutely. This li- literally looks like a duck. A- a duckling it's 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 fairly fishy it's like head down looks like a duckling running away which definitely does make a lot of commotion it's got propellers for the feet and it's got treble hooks sticking up all over the place <laughs> and i was, was like you gotta be kidding me he's like i bought this i bought this lure i think it's awesome i want to fish it he and he just loves harebrained ideas for different stuff he fished that thing for 10 minutes and landed a 40 inch muskie right at the side of the boat
0: really guy can pick lures yeah or he just fishes them with comp- <laughs> yeah Meal prepping and thinking about what's for dinner all the time can be a real stressor. While using ButcherBox helps relieve that stress. With ButcherBox, you're always prepared with good quality meat in the freezer. It's the ultimate convenience with custom curated boxes shipped right to your door with free shipping, which means fewer trips to the grocery store. It's hard to find the same value at the store because... What store can you go to where you're going to get free protein for a whole year alongside your order? Plus, they have a variety of high-quality cuts at an amazing value with exclusive member deals, and they make it even easier on you with recipe inspiration, guides, tips, and hacks. With ButcherBox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner. ButcherBox is offering our listeners their choice of weeknight meal essentials. Three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a whole year. Plus, you get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com slash MeatEater and use code MeatEater to choose your free offer and get $20 off. Hey, you ever needed something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? Let's chat about how to get what you need when you need it. You can do that at Aaron's. Yep, you can rent to own appliances like washers, dryers, or refrigerators, furniture for your living room or bedroom, even tech like computers and gaming systems. Plus, Aaron's has great brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. And you can pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. Here's the cool part. Say you're renting a 65-inch smart TV and decide you don't want it anymore. At errands, you can return it at any time. Or maybe you want to downsize to a 55-inch or upgrade to an 86-inch. You can do that too. Return it, then take home something new. Life's always changing. With errands, your stuff can change right along with it. Keep it, return it, upgrade it, errands fits your life instead of the other way around so check out your nearest Aaron's store or visit errands.com to see what i'm talking about approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply you got to see your local store for details being prepared is all about having the right tools the on x off-road map and navigational app is the best to find off-road trails and off-grid camping and to use a fully functional GPS when you're out of service. We all know that's usually where the best part starts. It's intuitive to use and lets you find open trails anywhere you want to explore with just a tap on the map. Access detailed trail information like difficulty rating, duration, clearance level, open and close date, trail photos, and more. Plus, there's color-coded public and private land boundaries, which are super handy for finding off-grid camping. And I said it before, but I want to make sure it sticks. Offline maps. What this means is it allows you to access all interactive land and trail data and custom map markups when you're out of service. You just download it ahead of time. Your phone's internal GPS gives you full navigation capabilities offline so you'll always know where you are and how to get home safely. Go to onxmaps.com and use code MEATEATER to get 20% off your membership today.
1: I know folks that swear by those too. Definitely the whopper oh, plopper, I, like pff, the both folks. Both of
3: those
0: things, man. I am completely... I'm completely... Until, a, until last it. summer, Yanni and I didn't know. Maybe, uh, maybe you did. I don't think you did. We didn't know that muskies were all of a sudden in fashion again. Oh yeah. Yeah. That there's like fish and game agencies establishing them. Well, yeah, because like my grandpa was a musky fisher. My mom, that was my mom's my mom's father, maternal grandpa. Uh he liked to fish crappie and liked to fish muskie, but he was fishing muskie in native water right mm-hmm. go up in north wisconsin and stuff and fish musky um and that was like his thing but i didn't know that they're making all these like super breeds of muskies and cutting muskies loose and all these lakes where they weren't traditionally been and all these like sterile Tiger hybridized muskies. muskies that just get bigger and bigger and bigger and never reproduce Those and it's like a big thing
3: management practices when they're trying to get rid of a carp or suckers or put in hybridized yeah, yeah trying, sterile muskies. exactly because they'll they'll create a cool fishery they get really big but you know they're not going to breed they're not going to like you know eat themselves out of house and home like pike or actual muskies were
0: yeah we got we've got really, tigers
3: all over montana
0: people get real fired up about catching them yeah definitely they we got uh, monstrous when i was a little kid we did we fished this lake for bluegills called wolverine lake pretty heavy And um, they had tiger muskies in there, but they were all dinkers when I was a kid. Mm. The assumption was they were going to someday be hogs. You just catch dinker tigers. Uh, Reason I brought your heart up. Mm -hmm. Guy wrote in, which is a doctor here. He was talking about your, in an email about your heart, he pointed out that he had to take beta blockers. Yep. He says that the medication has had an interesting and unintended side effect, which has made him immune to buck fever.
2: Oh, that he makes gets, sense.
0: He gets excited about seeing deer, but he never gets that feeling like his heart's about ready to jump out of his chest.
2: Huh?
1: He's got that calm, steady hand. Because he's
0: taking medication specifically meant to prevent tachycardia. Tachycardia. That's right. Man, you're going to get a lot of listeners jumping on the beta blockers. I bet. He that. says, I'm no super hunter by any means, but when this buck in the picture below came into view in October, I was cool as could be. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I could see that, but... Uh, uh, quite a few doctors have told me, and, and all agreed that beta blockers also the young people don't like them because they slow you down so much. And you, you have there's a, like a like for taking them, you just have a constant
0: lethargy. Oh, slow you down in that way? Yeah. I don't know. Like they take the hot, the peaks and valleys. They take the peaks out of life. No, no. Physically slow you down. Yeah.
2: So like, if you're if you're hiking a hill, you know, you'd probably have to just because you're heart's not responding to what your body's asking of it. So you'd have to stop more often,
0: you know? Oh. Yeah. So you're feeling what this guy's saying, don't oh, be, yeah. this no, isn't psychosomatic.
2: No no, 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 I've yeah, no, I've had the beta blocker chat, you know, with anybody I've talked to about about taking it. So if you're really symptomatic and it's bothering you, and a lot of people like that like I had an anxiety from having those, you know, the symptoms. But once I was told that it's nothing to worry about I was able to just put it out of my head. And when it happens now, I'm like, okay, it's fine. And I go back to sleep or or just go on with my thing. A lot of people can't do that. And the anxiety just builds and builds and builds. And so they're going to take beta blockers to deal with it. If it was happening to me twice a day, I'd probably be taking beta blockers. Because you just
0: get sick of it. Yeah, then just get into some kind of hunting where you don't need to do a whole lot of walking. But you need to do a whole lot of keeping calm. Sounds yep. like whitetail tree hunting. Stand. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, man. Started yeah. living in a tree stand. Um, Guy wrote in, we talk, remember talking about shooting squirrels, shooting squirrel nests when you're a little kid mm-hmm. to try to rustle them out <laughs> or like to try to get them. I like how when we
2: were squirrel hunting the other day, your boy was like, he's like, just want to make sure, but uh, we can't shoot. Squirrel nest, right?
0: Yeah, with no prompting. Yeah, he like, anyone independently, it's nice when someone like independently discovers something that definitely occurred to him. Well, why not just go ripping a couple rounds up in each and every one of these nests and then we'll climb up there and have a look. We'll climb up there and see what we got. Uh, this guy was saying in some, there's states that have explicitly state, I haven't looked this up, but he says there's states that explicitly state you cannot shoot into a squirrel nest. Makes sense. Um, He's talking about he did it once when he was a kid. And I don't know how he – I don't know if the squirrel flopped out or he climbed up and got it out. But he took it home to his grandma, and his grandma was pissed. And she was yelling at him. She cooked the squirrel still, but she was yelling at him. And she said, that's like someone shooting you in your home. Which – I don't want someone shooting me no matter where I'm at.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if they're out on the branch or is like somebody shooting in your
0: yard and that's all right. Yeah, it's like, oh it's chill, man. I was outside when I got I shot. I was asking for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, one last thing before we get into some uh, before we get into some uh things that are more questions in nature. But a guy was saying he's got this idea. He's come to think of uh you know, with people, right? You have like you have like high class and You know, you have class, there's a class structure in America, right? There's like blue, everybody talks about blue collar and um, affluent. He views deer. He thinks that deer, he thinks that the deer that live on public land are blue collar deer. (laughs) Because they got to put up with all the bullshit, man. (laughs) (laughs) Like getting shot at, just chased around nonstop. Yeah. And he said, and then there's like the high class deer that live down the private land. Nothing bad ever happens to them. Slowly they're, they're walking mute. around, head
2: up. I don't know Feed, how I know how it feel about all that. Man,
0: feeding all manner of times through the
3: day. <laughs> so so is it white-collar people who are hunting white-collar deer and blue-collar yeah, folks I like us a, on I public land? Hunting? He
0: says he's worked his theory up. He's run it by a few people. Everyone doesn't like it. His wife <laughs> thinks it's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but he says he's still trying to work on it. But the basic outline of it is, is there's blue-collar deer and they stuck on public land. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Yanni, what do you got? There's some merit, some merit
2: there. I think it
0: yeah. warrants it warrants mention.
2: <clears throat> yeah. All right. Here's one. It's not on the big list. I let you guys all look at. It. So this is a surprise question to you. But I think it'll be pretty easy. Friend of mine, Patrick wrote in. <clears throat> And they they, they he's also, also he's already sent me an email to tell me what happened here and uh so we have the follow up already. But at the time when he wrote this, his cousin ran into a situation that he had no real knowledge on, is wondering if we could weigh in. His cousin killed a large doe and they had cold temperatures, so he decided just to hang it with the hide on and leave it. When oh, in the woods or in his garage? Um Probably at home. He didn't say where, but he says he hung it, and then he got to his place to butcher. And so after picking it up, and he realized that the face of the deer had been slightly chewed on. And I saw the picture, and it looked like pretty much half of the muzzle had been chewed off. So he's got it hanging by the hocks.
0: Yeah. He's got it hanging by the gambrel. Okay, his cousin
2: thought it was a raccoon, maybe an opossum. Could have been a dog, coyote. Could have been
0: all kinds of critters, really. That's why I'd like to know where this is. Because if it's in his garage and his dog's in the garage, I got it (laughs) narrowed down. Case solved. (laughs) It wasn't your ma. Sounds like it was out in the woods and then he
1: brought it back.
2: Now, his cousin felt that he couldn't eat it because of this. What? Because he's... dead deer had rabies. Because there was a risk, possible risk, feeding it to his family. And at the time, he was going to plan on just burying everything and returning it back to the earth. Oh, oh back, my God! That's want, that's wanton want waste. That's one waste.
0: He's got a deer, a gutted out deer, hanging, and yeah. something chews on its muzzle, and he's yep. going to bury the deer. Even yeah. even if the thing that chewed on its muzzle had rabies, it was a vampire. Yeah,
3: yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah it, the the deer's blood isn't circulating. I mean, unless you're planning on doing like head cheese with that deer, which like most people don't yeah. do. Like, they're... There is
0: absolutely no reason that and it got chewed on by a rabid animal or a hungry. Oh, one. But
2: uh, rabies but is mostly look, eradicated. Man, this, this is the dude looking to get rid. This is the dude no, looking no. to get rid of a deer. Yeah, but certainly there is that possibility, but I think you guys should. To us, it seems like so. Well, of course, but I think to a new hunter, you could see that and definitely be turned off and wonder, like, okay, no. which? Yes, it, it could happen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because I had a coyote eat on a, or probably could have been a pack of coyotes, eat on a cow elk one time that was left in the woods a little bit too long. And I came up to it and was like, I wasn't worried about, like, I was going to contract something. But I was definitely like, what do I do here?
0: Like, like, what, what, how much do I cut away? I'm factoring in. I'm putting, like, heavy emphasis on the fact that it's, it's, it's its muzzle. Yeah, for sure. No, if he said eight all like eight half of each back ham, I would trim uh, I would definitely trim around that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a different situation. Yeah. But okay, yeah, I so I'm I not going to I don't cook, think it's a stupid I cook, question would cook is the my lips. point.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, Patrick <laughs> Patrick had a on. chat with him and they they uh Who's Patrick? A Buddy of mine.
0: Oh.
2: Yeah. He's given us some. Mer- oh, so this mer- is from
0: within your social circle. That's why you're being so. That's no, why
2: no, no, no. He's a he's a, like a, an acquaintance through Meat Eater. Okay. Um, but uh, th- they came up with the solution to can the whole thing, and then by pressure cooking it, everybody, everybody felt comfortable that there was nothing.
0: So good, yeah. Good so you're saying every oh. time you open a jar up, you're like, well, boys, <laughs> oh, this <laughs> meat's rabid. <laughs> but but I canned it
3: yeah. <laughs> was it
2: <laughs>
3: well, I mean, what's I what's, pre, it, what's pressure cooking gonna do different than any other kind of cooking is not it?
2: listen it's all in the guy's head right yeah, but I, I, he didn't waste the
0: animal it didn't have to go back to the earth oh no god bless him I think he's yeah. a real
2: winner
1: disinfected deer
0: <laughs> I think he's a real, I think, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the outcome. Okay.
2: I hope I, you guys don't feel like I wasted your time. No, no not at, at all. all. <laughs> it's a
0: great question. It's a great question. And we get a lot of questions with people in situations that I feel are less obvious, such as having, it's typically coyotes, mm. having coyotes, coyotes, eating. Hunks of your stuff. Mm-hmm. And then people often wonder, like, well, what do you do? I that told a story about my brother that had a bear get in and mess his situation all up. That buried all that meat? Buried a bunch of the parts. He walked around digging it all back up, <laughs> took it down to a creek, gave it a bath, and went home and ate it.
2: Yeah, nothing wrong with it.
0: That dude eat anything.
3: And it wasn't a rabid grizzly bear?
0: I don't know if he had <laughs> he never got it tested. <laughs> but yeah i mean i don't think it crossed his mind this is a guy that takes little bits of trim and puts it in a tupperware container and puts it in his microwave for his dog but ends up putting salt on it and eating himself
2: (laughs) one for you one for me (laughs) oh yeah i i told you right that he was when we were in the tent this fall together he was telling me that he felt feels like tender meat and tender food is a fad that is going to go away
0: yeah well there yeah. are cultures that would agree with them are there yeah don't you remember the Chupic? Mm-hmm. the chupik eskimo they were saying that the parts they liked are the chewy parts they oh. talked about meat being too tender of the caribou that's right yeah they like the you know on like uh every animal all the ungulates have it but it's real exaggerated on like moose and stuff that like there's if you picture something spine like let, let's picture something that's got a real obvious hump uh like take like a moose right and when you got the spine and you got the blades that come up off the spine
4: mm-hmm. those are
0: called the thoracic processes mm-hmm. when you got like an animal like that and you go to the highest thoracic process like on on a buffalo those things be 20 inches long you know moose got a big thoracic process and then off that there's that cable it looks like a Yellow cable, mm-hmm. giant tendon that runs from that's fixed into those things runs along the top of the neck and basically holds that head up. They're talking about liking to eat that thing. What you don't remember this? Sometimes I, I feel like you're not paying attention to stuff.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I vaguely remember having a conversation about enjoying the the tougher cuts with those boys.
0: Yeah, and like Callahan's throat roast and stuff. Yeah, which like, is a tough cut. Chewy cuts. Um, and there are a lot of people who like prefer those chewy, who, who like that chewy cut. So I think Matt could be onto something, or Matt could have been born into the wrong culture.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Matt's wife was explaining to me how Matt is hes in his tent. He's in his teepee tent with his stove going. So he's got like a collapsible seek stove. Mm-hmm. And he's in there cleaning up a skull, an elk skull just on, during a snowstorm. And all the little scrapings that he's cutting off, he just lays it flat onto the stove, like no pan, no oil, and just lays, lays the chunks of meat <laughs> out onto the That's a good idea. Stove, And then just as he works, that's what he has for a snack. You want to talk about some tough bits, man.
1: Right, yeah, that's so muscles he muscles to use
0: a lot. He likes a chewy bit.
1: I feel that yellow cable has got to be the chewiest thing ever. Yeah. I wonder if that's something that they're just like kind of chewing on to pass the time. They kind talk of like about chewing it. on the cud.
0: Yep. They talk about like that and they cook some chewy meat if you remember. They do. Because they yeah. kind of like boil. They boil, but not for long. Just boil meat. Yeah. Remember that?
2: I do. I remember not being real impressed.
0: They like flash boil <laughs> the meat. Well, because they, they're after, they like to chew. They like to chew. They like to cud. Yeah. Here's a good one. Have you noticed the difference in the taste of a fall black bear and that of a spring bear? Yes, yeah, a big difference, man. And, and again, it depends on. We're going to rule because everything gets squirrely. No, let's keep it open to the. Let's keep it open to nuance here. Uh, if if it has access to marine resources meaning if it's a bear that feeds on salmon and, you know, dead seals it finds washed up on the beach and whatnot, uh, I feel that they're better in the spring, especially fall bears that are on salmon are, and there are many, many exceptions. I'm going to, people are going to write it and be like, that's not true, but uh, they are perceived. Black bears feeding on salmon are perceived as being borderline inedible. And in those marine areas, when bears in the spring are feeding real heavily on vegetation, um, beach rye, you know various things they find, and even little crabs and stuff from under the rocks, they're regarded as being much more palatable and better than fall bears. I think that that becomes reversed for other reasons when you're talking about bears that are not have access to marine resources such as salmon runs, because in the fall. They're eating a lot of mast. They're eating a lot of berries. They're putting on a good layer of fat. They have very good fat for making lard, and I think they're better in the fall.
3: But I don't, I would suggest that it doesn't vary as much with interior bears. Not as
0: much vary, yeah.
3: variation. Because, I mean, I've eaten, I've eaten a number of different bl- spring black bears from Montana that were just
0: fabulous. Couldn't yeah. ask for anything better. Yeah, there's no off-taste in meat, but you don't have, they're not like as robust and fatty. Right. Right. And but bear fat's
3: good. Yeah, right? but they'll still carry a pretty healthy layer of, bear, of fat sometimes in the spring.
0: You've seen them good and fatty in the I spring? Have. Yeah. So I can't think of ever like getting one that you could actually like render lard off in the spring. But the spring's a big window too, right? I remember I got one on April 17th, which is early. You can hunt them to mid-June in Montana. Yeah, there's some units. And the guys up in Canada, they're hunting them into June. By that time, he's had two months to eat. So you could yeah. be packing on some weight. Yeah. Another guy wrote in he says, "Does bear lard go bad?" Yeah, lard goes bad. Now, lard by definition, you've rendered it right, so you've gotten the impurities out and you got the water out. But I wound up just as a test when I the 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 animal that I wrote American, the kind of like the animal I wrote American Buffalo about my book. I I rendered a bunch of. Um, he had a real orangey fat on him. Because they like you know process the carotene and things, and they get like a nice orangey, yellowy fat in late summer. It's my understanding of how that works. And I rendered a bunch of it out and made a bunch of basically beef lard because that fat's good. Oh yeah, that that fat's like beef fat. It's not like tallow. It's not like venison. It's not like the waxy venison fat, which is which varies in in its which varies in quality throughout the country and time of year, I believe. But their fat's good. Like, you can leave the fat on and grill it, and it's good. And so it have
3: kind of the same color as, like, duck fat? Yep. Oh.
0: Yep. Cool. Yellowy-orangey. I did not know that. Yellowy-orangey. Like, kind of a not-great-looking... Like, you imagine orange that has, like, a not-super... Just yellowy-orange. Okay, gotcha. Leave it at that. I rendered a bunch of it out, because yeah, there's a lot of it on there. Um, and then I kept one. I, I liked having it so much that I didn't jar it and seal it, pressure seal it or anything. I just kept it in a jar. And I must have kept that stuff for seven. I kept one little pint-sized jar just for just because I liked to have it in my fridge. I liked looking at it. Um, over time, it was like this beautiful color in the beginning, and over time, it just turned kind of gray. Mm. And eventually, I thawed some out, and it had gone rancid. Mm. It had gone rancid. And if you leave, that's like one of the things, like you, if you leave, so he's talking about bare lard, which has been rendered. But if you leave fat, on a bear in your freezer, it will it will go south on you in your freezer. You need to trim that stuff off when you freeze bear meat. Because I don't you, know what it is about that fat. But well, if Salmon you, fat goes bad in the freezer. Oh, sure does, yeah.
3: Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that goes wrong with salmon in the freezer.
2: Well, I think that fat in general, you just, like most freezers, aren't keeping it cold enough probably. to preserve mm, it. Probably. Um, <clears throat> the only reason I know that kind of I feel like it would work with wild game fat and it does work with wild game is because an uncle of mine uh, owns a place where they sell uh, Dippin' Dots ice cream, I believe, is what it's called. I
0: hear about that all the time, but I don't really understand what
2: Yeah, I've never tried it myself either. But it's it's so high in fat, I guess, that they had to put in, when they became a, a... purveyor of this product. They put in a freezer. That's the first that, time
0: anyone's ever said purveyor on this show. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee it. I like that.
2: That uh it's gotta be kept at like minus thirty or something instead of just zero like a normal commercial freezer is or whatever. And he killed an elk. And he's like, yeah, man, six years later, still eating on that thing. And I swear it was like every bit as good as it was, you know, six huh. months after it. Because he had a
0: high class freezer.
2: Yeah, because yeah. he felt like it was keeping it so cold and just preserving it that much better.
3: Yeah, those dip and dots are a weird consistency. I could see how you'd maybe have to do something different.
1: So you just take him like at one roast per Christmas and that was it? <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> Seriously, I'm through an elk in six months. Go ahead, Yanni, or anyone.
2: Um, yeah, well, we all decided that this, um, was a good question and this guy actually prefaced his question with, I'm hoping that it's the question of the century. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, Keith, that. I don't need to hear that's that. That's I don't need to hear that because Keith, yeah. I can tell you that it's not, <laughs> but <laughs> I thought it, we're getting a laugh out of, uh, the way you're presenting it. So he, uh, he asks, let's say you're on a budget. And God comes down and holds a gun to your head. Okay. And forces, forces you to choose between high end boots or high end glass, meaning optics.
0: I'd turn around and grab that gun out of his hand so fast. Yeah. <laughs> but let's just say I don't think it's oh, it You're saying on, it's not It fair. depends on what you're doing.
2: You're saying doing. God's not being fair with that question?
0: No, I don't want to do that. I don't want. I don't want. I don't want. I don't want to blaspheme. Yeah, but I'll say that um, I got to know more. I got to know what you're up to. If you're a chucker hunter, boots. Good point. Good point. <laughs> Let's say big game. Let's say
2: western big game. Optics for me, man. Optics. Yeah,
3: I feel like. I think so I like too, nice man. boots, it's but you can you can no. get a good you can get a good pair of boots for. Less than you can get a really, you know, expensive pair of boots. That's you a know? good point. That's a yeah, good point. you just keep wearing out. The disparity
2: out cheap is boots, not as you know? much. know. And uh, if you had to, you could hunt in bare feet and make some moccasins. Yeah,
0: and the thing but, is too, if you get if you buy right on Knox, Lost you. Like if you buy a pair, like you buy a pair of Vortex Knox, the like you get great Knox. They're not going to kill you on cost mm-hmm. and Even if your house burns down, they replace them. As long as you got something to show for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You still got the lanyard.
3: And even the most expensive boots I've ever had in my life, they still last me like a season and a half. But you can't wear
0: out boots and send them in. You can wear out Knox and send them in.
3: You can with some companies. I send in a uh, Sent in a pair last year, and they re- rebuilt them for me for like thirty bucks.
0: Oh, rebuilt, yeah, that's yeah. true. Just
3: put new soles on them. They didn't put a new sole on them for me. That was like another like hundred and twenty-five or something. I was like, yeah, these will just be my shit kickers.
0: Sinead's pack boots, and you can send in to get redone. And like I yep. don't you know, like White's pack boots. You can send in to get redone. These are Kenna Yeah, got you. Okay, so you can a little bit, but. Not the same it way. Just, You're
3: not bringing them back to 100%.
0: I'm still not giving in on the fact that it just really depends. But in general, let's say, okay, so my life, the way my life is, like what I do, all the things I do, oh, man, it's really tough because it just really depends. I, no, I've said it a thousand times. I've yeah, but seen, God's got
2: a gun to your head right now, man.
0: I mean, well, I know. That's, the thing, that's why he it's He doesn't tough.
2: like equivocation. Let's, no. go, let's go to last weekend Squirrel Hunt. Pretty mellow walk about... Knox right you're still going to choose the I could have been
0: out there in flip flops I wouldn't have liked it <laughs> <laughs> a bit <laughs> even kinda Morgan
2: you're, you're with Knox too yep I'm on the glass sorry Keith good question
0: but not the best of the century to be the question of the century you're only going to live like all of us in this room we'll touch into our early 80s and we'll die so that would have to be you didn't even get a full century when it's all said and done, generally. He's saying that he would have had, the so in all your entire life, that that would be the best question. Like, you're on your dying bed. <laughs> I need
4: you're, to know. You're, you're,
0: di- you're dying. <laughs> and, like, someone says, you know, in all these years, man, like, you know, as you fade out of consciousness, um, what was the? What
2: are you still? Coming?
0: What was the best question you've ever heard? Right. It's Really obscure hypothetical. I
3: came up one time and emailed to a podcast. Yeah. It's kind of like the ever-debatable question.
0: People are expecting him to be like, "What's the meaning of it all?" Or like,
1: <laughs> "Glass or Is boots? this really the end, or is it only
0: the beginning? But he'd be like, "Glass or boots." <laughs> <laughs>
1: you got to lean down into his ear to hear it, or into his mouth to hear it. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs>
0: okay, here's one. Why are some squirrels tougher than others? I I think it's age. Definitely. Why are you Why are you peeking over I, my area?
2: Cause I want to see what what you're working off of over there.
0: <laughs> oh, I'll show you. Why are some squirrels tougher than others? Is, are you getting frustrated with what's on no. my? No, <laughs> not at all.
4: <laughs>
0: he's like he cooks up. He was cooking up some buffalo hot legs. Kudos to him. He's cooking up some buffalo hot legs from the Meat Eater Fishing Game Cookbook available now. And uh, and he's noticing how some are real. A real bite, and some are just phenomenal. And he says it doesn't seem to be related to size. Mm. I think I believe that it's a function of age.
3: Well, is he is he assume, are we assuming? that he shot all those squirrels in one outing? You know, because if if one it was was sitting in the fridge or freezer longer, could understand why that would have that the meat would have aged. Good idea. Yeah,
0: we're uh, Yanni's going to start a thing. Can I talk about this? I think so. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> for questions like this, for questions like this, where you, go, you get the question, you're like, eh, I, there's got to be more to the story. Yeah. Yanni's going to start a thing called Ask the Eagle, where you get where when, when you're like, what really happened? Because it'll be like someone will be like, oh, you know, I was out and... Um, you know, and a guy shot at me and I shot at him. Yeah, who man. was right? You know, <laughs> <laughs> and be like, I just gotta have to get him on the phone to find out like a little more. So this would be a good thing for ask the eagle because then you could, you could dig in yeah. and get him on the phone and find out what exactly because mm-hmm. he might not know the the to ask the right questions.
3: Yeah, there's a lot of factors that go into that kind of stuff that can be pretty easily missed. I. Didn't start to pay attention to aging until a couple years ago. Oh, and I'm not and, saying aging, age. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I was, yeah. I'm addressing both, I suppose. Because,
0: like in scoffier's cookbook, Le Guide Culinaire, he says that he only will cook a rabbit if you can tear the rabbit's ear like paper. I mean, you should just be able to grab it like you're ripping paper, and I've done. Mm-hmm. It's true. Young rabbits. Like a, you know, young cottontail or a hare. When it's dead, you can grab its ear, and you should be able to go like this, and you can tear the ear. That's a young rabbit that that is okay to cook, and his he he, he could afford to be picky. I mean, he's like a my brother's chef. Of rabbit king's man. would have
1: been perfect for that. He was chasing a rabbit around a brush pile for like 45 minutes, and he probably had 10 holes in his ear. From the brush? Well, no, from him shooting a twenty two at it and missing and just hitting his ears. So oh. I was like perforated.
0: So then, yeah, he might have had a false positive.
2: <laughs> yep. Uh, did Escoffier mention what he did with the rabbits that whose
0: ears he couldn't rip? He probably would have ground them up and used them for... Dog food? No, he would have ground them up and used them in, in pâtés and to make, canals and stuff like that would be my guess but for these you know for his preparations of like whole muscle preparations he liked to be able to tear the ear and then you knew you had a nice tender specimen
2: i might start doing that and then i'm just gonna turn my other rabbits like kevin murphy did into uh brats it's not a
1: bad
0: idea because man oh, those brats. were good yeah rabbit brats yeah white oh, brats dude you gotta add really some serious good fat yeah. man. yeah I forgot about those rabbit brats. Yeah, those were delicious. Son of a bitch, we should have put that in the cookbook.
1: What kind of spices you throw in there?
2: Like, what's the flavor profile? Oh, oh, man. I don't know if I can remember off the top of my head.
0: Oh, like just for brats? Yeah. You, well, for those, you got like white ones. pepper, coriander, a bunch of things you put in brats. Yeah. People put mace in their brats.
2: Yeah, but that pretty classic, yeah. classic. beer bratty, you know, not Italian, not. You know, there's no spice, you know, mild beer bratty kind of flavor.
0: What else you got? I got a list as long speaking as you speaking
2: of uh, eating wild game. He, he, he says Good it's a, he says it's a wild game logistical question. He hasn't found a definitive answer to after a decent amount of research, which is so I, I'm just guessing that nobody's written a blog post about it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've searched, uh, I've searched high and low. How, he's, out, he's out the library looking up the card. He opened up the card catalog.
2: <laughs> how much wild game do you think it takes to feed a family of four? And then specifically he asks, do you guys keep track of how many animals do
0: you and your family eat in a given year? it's hard to answer it just depends on your habits right like uh well let me give you for instance i was having this conversation with brody here you got family of four very strict wild game diet mm-hmm. brody's got through a cow moose a cow elk and a buck that's like you know eating at home when you're eating at home, you're eating, and, and he throws down heavy on game. And then a variety of small game thrown in. Yeah. I kind of look at it because I, I get to do a lot of, like, you know, I get to do, like, a fair bit of. It's harder for me to answer because we fish a lot, um, hunt small game a lot. But then the other thing is, is we, when we're out, like, most of my hunting is when we're out filming the TV show. And so then we have a crew. And with our crew, we divide out. Yeah. So, like, if we get an elk. You're like, oh, there's an the elk, but then it's it's a sixth of an elk or a fourth of an elk when we divide out for because we split out for the crew. Yeah. So I never get like an accurate count. And then I also get a lot of stuff from buddies, right? Where a buddy mine will whatever, buddy mine'll get a wild pig and he'll be, oh, you know, here here's a pig leg. And and then later i catch some salmon and I'll be, oh, bro, here's a couple salmon flays. So it's like I never like look at it in terms of but Brody has a good count, but that's ex- that's not extreme, but it's pretty. That's a lot. Yeah,
2: but it seems like a lot. But I don't think it
0: is. I, no, I know, know that because before, he's, he's he's devoted. Yeah.
2: Before um, I had kids, and so because kids and meat eater kind of started at the same time for me. But prior to that, my wife and I would go through two elk no problem every year, and it wasn't like you know I mean we ate elk, but it wasn't like we were trying to eat elk five times a week, you know, it's just like well, we when we ate red meat, that's what we ate. But it was no problem to go through two
0: two cow elk. Yeah. It depends on how you're cooking too, because if you get like if you're sitting high on the hog, right, and you got a full freezer, which is how I look at it, I just always watch in my freezer levels. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you're sitting pretty, you might be doing things you're doing like big roasts. If you're sitting thin you might be making like fajitas or something right where it's a, you take like a you could have family fives so down you get one pound of like a one pound roast out and make like a dish that that has like the nice flavor and it's fun and everything and it's like a wild game dish right but it's not like you're sitting down and, and laying out big rolls where people are eating wedges off that thing so it's just it just depends so much
1: yeah. I feel like I've heard like one guy can take down an elk throughout the year. Like that's kind of the ratio. Sure. But I mean it's subjective like how you're eating. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, but you yeah, I think that one person who's a dedicated wild game eater yep. is puts the elk in the freezer and you got yeah, you got like a you, with and that it, you could probably even have you could be having a little breakfast sausage now and then. And oh, yeah. when someone says an elk, that could be as
2: little as 65 or 75 pounds of meat? It I mean, if you, be shoot, it, an, it if you can, shoot a calf, 250,
3: 300.
2: Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Uh, big variance there. Um. Yeah, I'm going to get better at that. You know who I'm going to ask and get, and we'll bring this up but there's again? No, you
0: can't get better at it. There's no
2: ant. We gave well, the you, answer. No, it's because a, yeah. listen, what you could do is by weight.
0: Oh, you, I would could, love to you, know you, that. You
2: could very easily just be have a scale in the kitchen And every time you go to cook, you just, you know, weigh it, make a little note somewhere. And at the end of the year, you tally it up and say, you know what? We ate 300 pounds of elk, 30 pounds of turkey. That'd be a
0: great idea. Perch fillets, be like, oh, there's two pounds of perch fillets. 2019, starting soon. Write it down.
2: There you go. Let's do it.
0: Yeah, that'd be cool, man, to have a little list. You take it out, weigh it, write it down. And then you'd be like, oh, so we ate 70-some pounds of venison, 13 pounds of perch fillets, six pounds of catfish fillets. And then, if you wanted to, you could take average, 25 averages. Five pounds of sea cucumbers. Averages. <laughs> <laughs> of Quarter
2: All those it. animals. And then you could say, I ate roughly three, X pounds of wild game. Two elk and roughly four turkeys.
3: Yeah, man. Because I feel like I could, amount of stuff I kill, I mean, I'm mostly f- cooking for one. I could eat wild game breakfast, lunch, and dinner every yep. day of the year and still have game left over yeah then
0: you got like social media personalities who it would there's no you you can't account there's no possible way to account for all of the stuff they kill Mm -hmm. and they're like wild game bro wild game bro you realize dude you shot thousands and thousands of pounds of meat where'd that all go so i mean donated yeah you wind up like it's just like i know enough to know when like, I know enough to know when, when I see something a little fishy. And then you kind of know enough to know when you... Yeah, I don't know.
1: Nothing but tenderloins all year.
0: <laughs> I
3: mean, I've, I've had people level that at me. Like I, Last year, I killed a bull elk, a cow elk, and two mature mule deer bucks. And that's way more than one man can, can eat in a year. But I went home a couple times and filled my Yeti 105 to the brim and gave it to my parents, gave it to my cousins, gave it to yeah. my uncle, and you party with it yeah exactly like,
1: smoke
0: some and party with some
1: it's a fun thing to do and then like do some charcuterie just like kind of like yeah. play around with some experiments of what you want to do absolutely and just none of it's going waste. Yeah.
0: when i live in seattle i practice a lot of wild game diplomacy with the people around but that with that kind of thing i would uh because I, I i lived around a bunch of people that had no connection to like kind of little connection to fishing like absolutely no connection or idea about hunting and um And I'm thinking primarily of three, like my three most immediate neighbors. And I would bring them a lot, but I would bring them not so much, sometimes frozen, but I would bring them recipe ready stuff. Yeah. Not like you're trying to dump, you know, some frozen game bag full of hairy trim (laughs) off on someone's doorstep, but I would bring them like, here's the thing, right? It's trimmed. Here's what I would suggest you do with it. I'll here's text a people fi- a recipe. You know, here's a, a fish fillet. It. I pulled the pin bones, and and it was it was cool, man. So yeah, you, yeah, I, I do do a lot of I do give and receive a lot of uh, wild game gifts. But here's another way to approach answering it. Let's say you take a turkey. Say so you got you your you and your husband, you and your husband, you shoot a turkey and you're going to cook for you and your husband i think that you have each lobe of the breast is a meal or two for you and your husband the two drumsticks depending if you're like if you're let's say you make soup with the two drumsticks there's a couple of meals a few meals for you and your husband and you smoke up the wing pieces and add them to a gumbo or whatever and there's like an additional part for the meal. Or you take all of that. You got a big old Tom that Tom weighs 20 pounds. You take all that. You want to make breakfast sausage out of it. You wind up with like eight pounds of turkey meat. You cut in a substantial amount of pork trim. So you put in four pounds of pork trim. You make a 12-pound batch of apple turkey breakfast sausage out of the meat-eater fishing game cookbook, say. Um And then you fry up little patties for your breakfast and stuff. You you could eat it 25 times. Hey, you ever needed something for your home, but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? Let's chat about how to get what you need when you need it. You can do that at Aaron's. Yep. You can rent to own appliances like washers, dryers, or refrigerators, furniture for your living room or bedroom, even tech like computers and gaming systems. Plus Aaron's has great brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley, and you can pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. Here's the cool part. Say you're renting a 65-inch smart TV and decide you don't want it anymore. At Aaron's, you can return it at any time. Or maybe you want to downsize to a 55-inch or upgrade to an 86-inch. You can do that too. Return it, then take home something new. Life's always changing. With errands, your stuff can change right along with it. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Errands fits your life instead of the other way around. So check out your nearest errands store or visit errands.com to see what I'm talking about. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. You got to see your local store for details. Being prepared is all about having the right tools. The OnX off-road map and navigational app is the best to find off-road trails and off-grid camping and to use a fully functional GPS when you're out of service. We all know that's usually where the best part starts. It's intuitive to use and lets you find open trails anywhere you want to explore with just a tap on the map. Access detailed trail information like difficulty rating, duration, clearance level, open and close date, trail photos, and more. Plus, there's color-coded public and private land boundaries, which are super handy for finding off-grid camping. And I said it before, but I want to make sure it sticks. Offline maps. What this means is it allows you to access all interactive land and trail data and custom map markups when you're out of service. You just download it ahead of time. Your phone's internal GPS gives you full navigation capabilities offline so you'll always know where you are and how to get home safely. Go to onxmaps.com and use code MEATEATER to get 20% off your membership today. Hey, here's a simple but very meaningful gift idea for your mom or grandparent who lives across the country. These are great, dude. These are really nice things to give to people. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things they can't be there for, from family vacations to their grandkids' graduation. Let's say your mom comes out. You take a bunch of pictures of your mom with your kids or whatever. When she goes home, you can greet her at home with all those pictures you just took on the frame. You can also keep her up to date by updating the frame from afar. It's all done online. It's a ton of fun. comes with unlimited storage and simple controls on the frame so you can upload as many photos as you want, and Mom can pick the perfect one. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, The Strategist, and Wired. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting auraframes.com that's A-U-R-A frames.com make sure you use the promo code meat eater because for a limited time you can get $20 off their best selling frame with that code the code being meat eater auraframes.com promo code meat eater
3: there's lots of great ways to stretch it out like that
0: what's next
2: you got one you said you had a list a mile long
0: yeah but I want you to hit me one of yours I can keep going. I'll do one. Lots of questions about this. What are those little things that are on the end of y'all shooting irons? That's what he says. Is it tape? Do you just shoot through it? Does it affect the bullet? Why is it even there? Yes. Um, all of the above and no. So it's yes and no. And I'll start with the yeses. Yes, it's tape, but it could be any number of things. It's like it's common practice if you're around mud, if you're around a lot of. Rain, especially rain that could become freezing rain. Snow. The year around snow. Um you could get things that get into the that, that obstruct your barrel by getting into your muzzle. Um and, and it's a good idea to keep that stuff out. You can keep it out. There's thousands of ways of doing this. They make some guys will use finger cots which is a little condom looking prophylactic looking little dealie. You know what prophylactic means? Jeez. Just yeah. means disease prevention device, something that prevents disease. Um doesn't necessarily mean a prophylactic how we would, how you'd use it. Yeah. Uh put a finger cot over your barrel. I don't like those cuz they break and they seem to get b- brittle when it's super cold out and they just don't last that long. Or you can take like a little piece of uh Ziploc baggie or anything and place it over the muzzle and wrap a piece of medical tape, which is what I do quite often over it. Electrical tape, you put a piece over it and then put a wrap around it to keep it from peeling off. I mean, there's a thousand things and it's just to keep junk out of there. Yeah, The thing I think people are really afraid of that can cause real trouble and injury. I've never had a barrel blow up from an obstruction but the stories you hear would be that you got a bunch of wet snow in there, or you got a bunch of water in there, and then it got cold and it froze and, and like formed a block of ice that was like adhered to the walls of you know, the inside of your barrel, or you know, the, the inside of the bore and you could potentially blow your gun up.
1: Yeah, because the amount of pressure that can build up in there. Either that or like a wet mud, like a clay mud or something like that. Yeah.
0: The stories you hear most or something got in there and froze solid. But I've never had it happen. But I just do it because why it's so easy to do it and there's no negative, like why not do it if you're in a place that's real wet and nasty?
3: Yeah, and I've had I've I've been asked that this question a number of times because I've always <clears throat> my whole life have put electrical tape around the barrel of a gun. I mean, my dad taught me that when we first went deer hunting, so it's always seemed like the normalest thing in the world, but a lot of friends have asked me about that and people are always, well, does that mess with your bullet flight? Does that slow it down? Like, man, I really don't think so. Like, you know,
1: rifle blast, the muzzle blast, that tape's probably gone before the bullet even last, gets there yeah this last trip home i went down and talked to a buddy he's like friend of mine from high school and he turned into a kansas highway patrol state like swat sniper okay and i asked him specifically on that and he said that like the gas is pushing forward knocks that out way in advance to like affect that bullet there's nothing wrong with that
0: yeah i've talked to all manner of of, of high-end shooters who would know enough to know and the consensus for sure is that it it, it doesn't do it, and when early on, when I really first got on to doing that, if I had something heavy like like electrical tape, I would oftentimes, if I was in the moment of truth, I'd oftentimes catch myself reaching up there to peel it off, just out of a little <laughs> bit of nervousness. But uh, yeah, I, I've shot through it many, many times. Um, I haven't done a lot of, I haven't done like a rigid round of range testing on it. It'd be interesting to do it. Would be interesting. But I just there's so many people whose opinion I trust who I've talked to about it that it's. Yanni's got opinions. Why are you sitting there though, so quiet?
2: Um, no, I mean I can just say that I've tried it at the range and I've shot the same size groups shooting through tape as I have, you know, just with a without tape on my well, barrel. There you are. So be a fun little video to shoot. Yeah, for sure. There's people that have done it on the old YouTube. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. man. <laughs> um, but yeah. It's the way to be, man. Keep it
0: protected okay your turn uh
2: you you
3: boys
0: got you guys got burned in one here yeah
3: i got one i'd love to talk about
2: go for it sam
3: yeah i was looking at this one this guy says i joined instagram recently and have already seen a few instances of anti-road hunter sentiment of course it shouldn't matter to an ethical law abiding hunter what others think but i was curious what exactly counts as road hunting on the extreme, one could strictly define it as someone who drives around all day glassing from the truck or ATV, rarely, rarely leaving the car until an animal is found. Is this actually illegal in some states? Is a parenthetical clause, but there's a spectrum here. I wonder what the where the line is typically
0: drawn. Hmm. You want to start? I'll start. I don't give a shit. Go ahead. This is coming from a guy that does a fair bit of road hunting, <laughs> yeah. meaning like like he, he's right. It's hard to define. If The other day, we were out, uh, me and Yanni were out messing around, and we stopped a vehicle, rolled the window down, and we're glassing some sandstone outcrops for cottontails. <laughs> I mean, let's be straight. If we'd have found one, we'd have gone after it. Yeah, for we were, sure. So it's like uh, right there. There's a spot I want to go check for cottontails. not long from now and my and 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 what i'm going to do before i get rolling is i'm going to go and check a bunch of little willow bottoms that i could pretty much look out the window to see if there's they're tracked up
1: i keep a window mount and my spotting scope in my truck so i can just roll down the window mount up the scope and look out that's yeah but is that scouting or is that hunting
0: well i was damn sure hunting the other day when i was looking for cottontails on those these outcrops because if i would have found one i would have got out i would have got We'd have got the kids out and gone and went after it, yeah. and we'd have glassed it up from the rig. I think when people use road hunter in a in a negative way, it would be like uh, slinging uh, the rifle, out, rifle the out the window, I'm <laughs> <shooting> <laughs> out the window, shooting out like shooting out Seen of the, which is illegal. So it's yeah. illegal to shoot out of your truck. Depending, it's illegal to shoot out of your truck if you're on a maintained road. So you can't shoot from across from the right from the legal right away of. Roads. Yep. So I think when people talk about a road, like when you if someone uses road hunter negatively, I think it's like someone whose hunt plan, okay, their hunt plan is to drive around. Heater blasting. Um, yeah, eating Chester fried chicken they bought at the gas station. Yeah. Pepper
1: bitch schnapps knocking that back. Yeah. With
0: the plan being that they're gonna find something and shoot it from out the truck window. Uh laws be damned. I don't know. Like that's what comes to my yeah. mind. Well, and there's a lot of Western hunters who,
3: who don't want to shoot a deer or an elk more than quarter mile from
0: the road. Cause how the hell else are you going to get back to the house? And everyone looks like, a ro- you could be driving along, um, headed to a place that you intend to begin walking. Now, I've had this Turkey hunt drive into my Turkey oh, yeah. hunt spot. I remember one time I was with my late buddy Eric Kern and we're driving to our turkey hunt spot. We cross over a, d- a drainage and we look and see some turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> right? We were actually in and, and truth be told, we were actually heading to a place where we we hunt turkeys in a place where you had to you had to 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 hunt it realistically, you had to hike in and sleep out. But it wasn't like we like we see these turkeys and we just pulled over and went and started tried to work the birds. But, so someone be like, oh, there's a bunch of road hunters. But you like, know, it's funny you at mentioned, this, at, the funny you mentioned cr- at the moment. At the
3: moment, you caught me. Sure, a friend of my dad's when I was growing up, I remember we were turkey hunting in Eastern Washington, and I remember him saying, "Oh, even if I saw a thirty-pound tom from the truck, I'd never shoot it. Never, I'd never shoot an animal I spotted from the truck." That he spotted from the truck? Yep. Yeah. That's because you're not hunting. You're not out on foot. Yeah. And that was just like that was his own like ethos
0: around. It. I would I'm never. Just saying, yeah, yeah, I would never block a fella from having his own. You need, everybody yeah. sets up their own guardrails right absolutely but i mean i've done that i've
3: done that too my deer camp this year the first day we drove out there we we saw enough bucks between our campground and the trailhead that we all could have tagged out in the first hour of the first day and none of us took a shot because we were just getting out there and we was like ah, oh, this isn't this isn't how we this is how we pictured it, it isn't the the experience we were looking for so I think that's what it comes down to for some people so I wouldn't I wouldn't begrudge folks who you know don't feel comfortable walking around a lot to back roads of Montana driving around trying to figure out where the deer are and then get out and do it do it right but you know personally I like to be a couple miles back with a backpack on glassing and feel like I'm you know engaging with the, the environment.
0: The other day we were, uh, I was taking my, th- I had all three of my kids and we were going out to sit for whitetail does. Um, and we had a pop-up blind set up 150 yards from where we could park. And right away when we pulled up, lo and behold, out pops from windrow out pops, a bunch of does in range. And we still got the back of the, you know, back the truck open. <laughs> My boy was like very interested Game on. <laughs> in <laughs> us getting this taken care of right here and now. And I didn't because it wasn't what I was trying to demonstrate to right. them. Yeah. We had gone and put up a pop-up plan we're talking about the need to be sitting and quietly waiting and how all this worked and that that they would come out to feed at night and right. And then all of a sudden he was pissed. But it was like no, because this isn't like I'm showing you a thing, and this isn't what I'm showing <laughs> yeah. you. I'm not showing you this, right? Right. Um, if it had been like the last day of the season, and we'd put in our time, and we're going back after our last morning hunt, and out pops them out of the windrow right down the road, it would have been. A di- it's just a different yeah, situation. It's like, and it's like, it's not like something that you can explain or or or. Or prescribe to another individual and be like, "Oh no, here's what you shouldn't, shouldn't do." It's just like, a, it's just you're just running in your head, man. Sure. You're always running in your head. Yeah, I always, I always encourage people to
3: just, you know, try wandering around because I know learn a little woodsmanship. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, I to me, that's what's fun about hunting yeah. is, is the exploration aspect of it, and and so many, so many people just don't feel like they can. You know, know how to break down an animal that they can't drag to the truck, or, or know their way to, you know, how to figure out how to get back to the truck. And yeah, I mean, I I understand that, but encourage people to learn and say that it might deepen the experience. The other thing
0: about it that makes me uncomfortable is that different people have different abilities. Yeah, and people have some. A lot of people have pretty serious disabilities, man. So you're like, oh yeah, road hunters, road hunters. They're no good it's like you know what there's a lot of people that, I mean they don't have the luxury man yeah because of any number of things age physical condition disabilities so it's like i, I hate to like you know to act like all oh, like the the I hate to to act like there's these like broad condemnations of behavior that exist out there when it just is like you know it's it's almost like you gotta know what's in their heart
3: yeah I'm supportive of people getting out hunting yeah it's hard to know what some, in someone's and life. and honestly, like if if there's guys doing that, I mean, it's that's not really affecting what you're doing. If you're hiking, you know, deep into a wilderness area, I mean, if anything, they're proving your point that you know, getting far back, getting away from the road is beneficial because a lot of a lot of people do hunt from the truck. A lot of people hunt for the truck who wouldn't even admit that they hunt from the truck. Yes. So it's a, I think doesn't Doesn't affect me, as long as they let me get by them when they're creeping up a forest service road at five miles an hour, thinking they're sneaking up on shit.
2: <laughs> they are. You've been off I've, quiet. I've seen it. They They are sneaking up on stuff, man. It can It can be a. Uh... A, a tactic that works, you know, do
3: they take out like a, a Prius or something that's, that's, that's silent under a certain RPM. I don't know.
2: It's like the old rancher, man, that drives like a, a animals never scared of the ranch truck, yeah. right? Cause yeah. the ranch truck just drives all over the ranch every day. But uh, yeah, as long as it's legal, I mean, I've done, I've done not, I want to say my fair share, but I dabbled in shooting some deer literally out of a truck where it was legal to do that
0: and where? It, it, in once you're on private property
2: no in like you said unmaintained roads, oh, gotcha. you know yeah. in nebraska and um it was novel at the moment but by the time like my third doe was dead and this is back when they had a booming deer population we had lots of doe tags to fill um it's like okay that was enough of that you know I'm going to go take my rifle for a walk.
0: Just out stacking them up like cordwood in the back of your truck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like the first two evenings, it was like,
2: wow, never thought, you know, just because I didn't grow up, you know, you couldn't do that in Michigan,
0: right? Some guys use, some guys love to see road hunters because they're like, oh man, you know, that area, you're going to go there and you're going to think it's super crowded, but it's all road hunters. Mm -hmm. Just cruising the roads. So don't worry about Mm -hmm. it. Meaning that there's still you're gonna it has the appearance of being overplayed. Yeah, just hike not, over the ridge, but it's not overplayed because yeah, yeah. the minute you like hike down in some little spot that's, that you can't see from the road, that's a big thing. Yeah, with yeah, ant- yeah, that's yeah, a big man. thing with antelope hunting. Oh, like, absolutely. They're like a big thing with antelope hunting. There's I think there's a lot of people who have the mistaken notion because it seems like you're in flat open country that feel as though when you take a gander out across the landscape, oh, I can see all of it. They feel like they're seeing it. And you're just not – there are so many dips in pockets, and it's just, like, you get out and walk that stuff. Like, I don't care if you look and you see, like, oh, I can see clear to, you know, yonder mesa. You don't head toward that mesa in the same direction. You're finding all kinds of antelope that you do not see. And so it's – um yeah, I'll oftentimes get out, like, think you've seen it off in the truck. We would get out and hunt the same country and have a very different experience. Start
1: bumping animals along the way. Have a
0: very different experience than you what you thought you were seeing when you're looking out. Unless you're looking out in a salt pan, you don't know what's going on.
2: <laughs> Ready for another one? Yep. Yep. Uh, what's this fellow's name? Now before I get to Who that w- before I get to that one this felt, uh, Chuck's wondering what your uh, thoughts on the flick Jeremiah Johnson
0: are I mean I've talked about that it's the greatest, one of the greatest movies ever made
2: It is. it is a <laughs> damn great movie. straight like greatest it. movies ever made the, the, the ending of, the
0: ending of that movie is one of the saddest things um one of the saddest most contemplative exchanges ever captured in American cinema loaded with symbolism wonderful movie there's a little little a corny moment a corny moment or two that I wish they would have yeah chopped out
3: splashing around in the creek trying to catch a trout
0: yeah that and I'm particularly thinking like the great character bear claw Chris Clapp one great character played by Grandpa Walton um uh little corn little corn pone You know, but my God, does that movie wind up just being like being a pretty profound movie about loneliness?
2: I need to rewatch it. You show it it to your kids yet?
0: No, I'm glad you just brought it up. I'm gonna.
2: Holiday movie. Holiday movie.
0: No, you know, it might like it might. There's parts of it that would confuse them a little bit. There's, there's some, there's death, you know, there's like death and insanity and stuff in there that might be confusing to kids, but they can, Mm. they can hack it pretty good. In terms of kids, I'm usually in favor of, uh, I'm usually a little ahead of the, I get them rolling on stuff earlier than you're supposed to in terms of what you expose them to.
1: Kind of going explanations with them. Opens up good
0: conversations, man. Opens up good conversations. Yeah, I'm not like one of those. I mean, you know, there's. I'm sure there's like a lot of great parents who are very, you know, want to have like the world's all innocent and all that. And I don't know. I don't know what you get from painting a picture of the world being Naive all innocent. Children. What's that?
3: Naive children is what you get.
0: Personally, that's my <laughs> feeling on it. But I have. But like, but again, you know, if I could have had parallel lives and raised some one way and raised some the other day and then compared them <laughs> at the end, I don't have that luxury. So it's just gut instinct, and I don't want to dog on any parent who. Who who I don't want to dog on parents who are real protective, but no, we kind of roll out the ugly realities and the beautiful realities. Um, with that said, I would show them, but I have not yet. It's a profound movie. If you, I think it's a profound movie if you look at it in the right way and pay attention to what to the things that are said, especially the end when he's cooking that rabbit. That's going to be a tough ass rabbit. The way I, he's cooking. I'm picturing it. that scene. Just a skinned-out rabbit stuck on a skewer. Yeah, it's probably been ten years since I. You're seen gonna it. be chewing. He's yeah. in for a talk. And the thing is, caveman mode. He's cooking a rabbit on a spit, and 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 he and he tear, and, and I'm telling you, he goes and tears off a piece of that rabbit. He like tears off his shoulder off that cottontail. And I'm like, bullshit. <laughs> 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 you braze that rabbit. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Yeah, yeah, maybe he was just lathering it up with something. He good might have been basting it. wrapped in
0: foil, and then he's just putting a final little <laughs> singe on it. But he's yeah, he's cooking, he's cooking up a rabbit. Me and my buddy Ben Freed, and we were little kids, would cook cottontails that way. And I'm telling you, man. But he's cooking, he's got it high above the flame. He's got the right idea. But he 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 tears off a hunk and throws it to bear bear claw Chris Clapp. And Bear Claw Chris Clapp observes how he's learned to cook rabbit very well. But still I wasn't buying it.
2: <laughs> Lance wrote in and he says, uh, my right what
0: are you gonna say about Jeremiah Johnson? Why did why you asked the I question, got, I gave the answer. Why don't I you got, have an answer? I got nothing to say about it. Why'd you pick it?
2: Because I thought it'd be interesting to hear your answer. Huh. Doesn't it specifically ask Steve's opinion? It on does, it? actually. Oh. But I mean I think it's a good movie. I just haven't um I couldn't articulate it like that and I haven't uh um digested it quite to the point that you have you know yeah
0: he's coming up from the from the mexican war he's damaged goods he's got ptsd which what they'd call it now you gather he's been damaged from the war comes up the trap right but he's too late the beaver market already collapsed
2: it's a sad movie
0: if you're listening properly it's a sad movie Anyone would know it's a sad movie, but there's some there's some there's some like there's some good stuff.
1: So we got one from Kevin and it's one that you guys have already touched on, but it's about bird hunting and like how to pull shot and like being scared about giving people who are just getting introduced to the uh, to wild meat. Um, so it's firstly after cleaning 10 or 15 birds of my own prior or with no experience, I got a lot better at the process. However, no matter um, how to go about it? He's still finding shot in the birds, and he's wondering: Is there a reliable way to like give this bird meat to people without having shot in it? So the first thing I would say, like I've been like a lifelong bird hunter out in Kansas, uh, and one technique that I just found was like taking the bird's hole, putting them in water, and like sprinkling in like a couple teaspoons of salt. And like when that shot comes in and hits the bird and hits the feathers, it will like bring the feathers along with it in most cases. And what I found is if you put it in overnight in the fridge, like, that salt water will actually pull the shot and the feathers out of there. So to, I don't like, understand how that happens. I don't know either, but, like, it brings it to the surface in most cases. And so I just, like, pluck it right off the edge of the bird, toss it away. It's not foolproof. It doesn't pull all of them, but it brings a lot of them up there. Like, otherwise, like, you just got to, like, like, breast the bird out. Massage it down, like find the BBs in there, uh, maybe slice it up, and then take the carcass and use it for stock. Some birds you can hold a breast chunk up to a bright light, and you can see the shot.
3: Yeah, if you breast
0: it out, for sure. It's a working man's (laughs) x-ray. Get yourself an MRI machine. Yeah, Yeah, run through the MRI. Yeah, no
3: no serious bird hunter doesn't have his own MRI.
0: Um, You know, we talked about getting the feathers out, but a great trick is to take a toothpick. Mm Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can pull shot too if it dragged a lot of feathers or hair into a cottontail, you put a toothpick in there and twirl it, and you'll pull the hair, squirrels, anything like that, you'll pull the hair out and you can, and if, you'll, oftentimes you pull it out and you'll have a little bit of shot. It's like, like locked up in there. Yeah, because yeah. picture like a comet, you know, Haley's comet. Did you know, yep. Twain was born the year the Haley. You know, the Haley's comet comes every yeah, seventy-five yeah. years. Twain was born the year it came, and and predicted that he would come in with the comet and go out with the comet, and went out with Haley's comet. Really? Yeah. Anyways, picture a comet. When you see a picture of a comet, and it shows like the rock, and it's got the flames that kind of wrap around the front and trail out in the back. Yeah. Like a shot goes in there, like that dragon hair, like flames. Yep. And you put it in and pull it out. That's the noise it makes. But the brine one, man, I don't.
1: It worked for me. I don't know. I don't know if it's like something with the osmosis or, or like,
3: I, was, I don't know. Like when like know. brine or salt, like it does draw things out of the meat. But I, I don't understand. I don't understand how that would actually expunge the shot.
1: Like I
2: was just brining it, just to, it Well, no, I'm thinking that it's bringing in. The salt water right like it has to equal and it's in that brine like that, that's what's going on right is that the brine is penetrating the meat because it has to become equal between mm-hmm. the two right. states of liquid in the meat and then just the liquid that's in there right yeah. so if and it's so maybe it's pressure maybe if it's just pulling in then it might be and it's going in through those pores or whatever it just might
0: be sort of plumping up and then pushing it's kind out kind of like
1: popping a pimple just like your-
0: that's that that's another way to get shot out is just pimple popping yep did I tell you guys? I might talk about this before. We one time uh, got a moose. We were twenty miles. We were, we flew in and on a raft trip, so we flew in like flew off a highway up twenty miles up a river in order to then float back to the highway. This is up in Alaska, and right where we landed, the furthest point we got from any. I mean, you're nowhere near any kind of permanent structures. We killed a moose that someone had shot in the butt with a shotgun long ago is <laughs> all healed up in there but all these shotgun pellets i picture him him you know they move quite a distance throughout yeah. their life i picture him getting into someone's garden or something
3: yeah. what size shot was it
0: very small it looked like seven very and a half shot. or eight shot oh. all over under his skin man oh that's gross was it all no it was like yeah yeah it was totally healed up that's interesting totally healed up and it was just like you could just see it, it was, you know that meniscus like yeah. not a meniscus but like that what do you call it, man? Like the, like right under the hide, it's kind of sticky. dermis, Whatever that, like the, when you pull the sticky hide fascia. away, it's sticky, right? Yeah, yeah. like the fascia. Yeah. It was just like the the BBs were just in there, and they were kind of like healed up in there a little bit. Huh. And the hide didn't have any kind of there's like a discoloration on the hide, but the 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 holes in the hide were gone.
1: Wonder if it was like that a seemed- guide giving it like the uh, get out of here, get out of camp. Give him the old Ryan Callahan, smell me now.
3: You know, he's get like, out. smell me
1: now, Mister. <laughs>
3: Now that seems like a real Alaskan move to shoot a mm-hmm. moose in the ass with bird shot to get it out of your garden. Yep, yeah, for sure.
0: Should we hit another one, Yanni?
2: Yeah, I think we got one more. Time for one more. Um, just found one I kind of liked. We could answer. If you had to choose one antlered game recipe to help introduce kids to wild game, what would it be and why?
0: Oh. I know exactly.
2: See, it's tricky. I was just thinking about it. It's tricky because it, my first thought was well, it'd just be freaking taco night, man. Because I mean, you can serve regular old American tacos with ground up cat meat in it. And everybody's like, sweet tacos. <laughs> yeah. But that's not necessarily helping introduce your kids to wild game. Maybe the idea of it. Yeah. Because you could feed them a beef taco and say, yeah, man, you're eating elk. And the kids are like, great, I'm eating elk. So they're okay with the idea. But, yeah, but I you're think it's disguising if, the if flavor. You, if you're actually, yeah, exactly. So if you're actually sort of like trying to be like, hey, this is what wild game tastes like, I think you're going to have to be a little more nuanced and sort of pick something that is wild gamey, tastes like wild game. You could pick it out as wild game, yet the kids are going to like it. The other evening I served, just happened to have a very small, like bottom round roast off of an antelope. Wasn't going to be enough meat. So we also had two uh, white tailed dough tenderloins. And I can tell you that those it was all sliced up. It, just had, it had been done like we do the perfect roast, which you can find in the Meteor Wild Game uh, cookbook, and the recipe there, how to make the perfect roast. I cooked all three of those pieces the same way, seared them up, olive oil, salt, and pepper, finished them in the oven, sliced That's them up. To I yanked them at like 125-ish. That's what I usually Still go chili. to. Still chilly. No. <laughs> no man. Once I let them rest, they rise man, at no, five to eight degrees, and they're they're money. Anyways, the, I I put a little bit of each on everybody's plates, and it didn't take them long to be like to know that the ones a little bit smaller and rounder that was the good eating one, right? So really, oh yeah, they're like all over that tenderloin. Hmm. the The bottom round off the antelope was awesome too, but it just didn't have that melt in your mouth. ...ness of that tenderloin so i don't know i'd go with that man because you definitely know you you can taste that you're eating wild game it's got salt and pepper on it that's it but it's good it's really good so go with the prime cut i guess is my mm, yeah. simple prime cut
0: i put up a thing on instagram about this but not long ago i had some uh mountain lion tenderloins and i did like how we i did like like doing the perfect roast as described in the meteor fishing game cookbook which is available now. Um, seared them seasoned them salt and pepper seared them fired into my oven but i was kind of running a little bit behind schedule and like with little kids you you gotta get the show on the road right because people gotta yeah they want time to mess around you gotta get them to bed so i pulled them out i was kind of trying to rush things pulled them out and you can't eat mountain lion rare you gotta cook it you gotta you know you gotta cook it to 160 Pulled it out and i was like damn it was it? i pulled it too quick still a little you know you don't want to explain that to your wife that everybody the kids all got trichinosis so uh i had a a bottle i was like how am i gonna get this done like instantaneously because once i made i i was trying to roll it and i'm like man you shouldn't roll with it You, you know and we had mild we had mild barbecue sauce um in the fridge a bottle of mild barbecue sauce in the fridge and i just put like a few glugs of that where i had a quarter inch of barbecue sauce in the bottom of the same skillet that i'd seared it in and i put those slices and just simmered them in barbecue sauce because i'm just trying to get it done and get everybody fed uh man they loved it loved it but my kids have eaten so much stuff they don't even it doesn't register you could tell them they they don't have any they they don't have the apprehension because they never had the luxury of or i shouldn't say the luxury they've they've always had the luxury of just like eating everything so they don't they, they don't they're not suspicious of anything no. no they wouldn't know like you could tell them the craziest thing in the world and they wouldn't know to think it was weird so it's not a so it's not like you're overcoming prejudice but they that was a dish they loved and it makes me think of remember that blackberry dish i cooked a little bit which had that sauce that was made out of base like melted brown sugar yes and you serve it over rice yeah i believe we call it meat, M- meat candy, candy. Dude, kids love that dish, man. Yeah. We put high. that on the website at some point in time. I don't think it's still there. We need to revamp that recipe. Yeah, yeah. it's basically
2: like making Mongolian beef. Yeah. Um you know. That's so what my
0: brother was trying to make. My brother, who came up with the recipe, was like messing around trying to make like some dish from PF Chang's or something. <laughs> you know? yeah, you his,
4: basically...
0: kids, his kids got hot on the McDonald's. And uh, he started cooking halibut, just like how they make Chicken McNuggets. And they (laughs) they thought they were eating Chicken McNuggets.
2: (laughs) Wow. Dude, speaking of some good fried fish, um, I had somehow ended up with, I don't know if it was from a shoot that we did or if you gave it to me, but the Tony C's standard fish breading. Dude. I ran out of just my whatever seasoned flour that I normally have, and I didn't have any corn. I saw the box sitting there, and so I went with that. And, man. Just seasoned just enough, but not too much. I was really impressed.
0: That's why it pisses me off when you talk up Old Bay.
2: <laughs> Dude, I, d-
3: I'm a big fan of Old Bay myself. Oh come, you're from
2: the yeah. West. I know.
3: They're two. they
2: two separate there. seasonings. Yeah, I, I'm not they're, saying they're, one I view it like you're an old.
0: Yeah, I view it like when it comes to like seasonings that you can buy at any grocery store in America. I there's two kinds of people. There's kinds of people who think you can lump everyone into two categories. Yeah. <laughs> no. There's two kinds of people, man. What if you're feeling uh,
2: like you want to be uh, authentico Spanish or Mexican? What if you want that flavor? You can't. You're not getting that then, out of Tony Cesar Then Caesar, if I'm doing that, way. then you know what?
0: It's, no, it's not the only thing I eat. I'm just saying, like we, it was framed up as an either or. I think it was a listener question. That might have been, but I'm not falling into that trap. Okay. Well, when we got in that here's the thing. When we got in that argument about Tony C's, mm-hmm. someone from the Tony C's family, Sasha I, I everybody writes in, oh, you to say it this way. I just say Tony C's. And I've talked before for some <laughs> for a reason I don't understand when I was in college we called Uncle Tom's. I have no idea why. They sent me a care package. And in it, uh, in it was like a marinade. And I cooked some golden-eyed ducks out of that marinade.
2: Oh, right, you said they were, those oh, that came out really out. good,
0: so but yeah, it's a good, it's a good breading, yeah. It's a lot more fun to me, you know. You really ought to learn how to make your own, and I know you do, but it's it's like for it, there's a lot of good breadings out there,
2: yeah. Well, I don't know, when I, feel I was like a, kid, lot time, a lot of times, a lot of times, those store bought ones have that real, like, I'm gonna call it MSG flavor, <laughs> but I don't know if that's what I'm saying. Maybe they're just over salty, is what I'm trying to get at, but I just feel like you're like. I can taste something that I don't like. It's just too much, usually. Where I felt like this one, I was like, wow, I was
0: pleasantly surprised that they did had an over-seasoned and over-salted. Gotcha. You know what my old man bought by the case? I didn't have fried fish that wasn't made in this seasoning. He bought frying magic. Mmm. I remember that stuff. Blue box. He bought frying magic by the case. And he had a cupboard in the garage where he kept peanut oil and frying magic and paper towels. Nice. It was like his stash.
2: When your mom did those, uh you were
0: describing how she used to do
2: uh chicken thighs and like she'd do them in the pan and then finish them in the oven. Yeah, you know, very, and, very
0: good. And you do and squirrel's good that way.
2: Yeah. And I was thinking that uh my uh That was frying magic. Great. Okay, it was. Okay. Because I want to say, wasn't there a product called like Shake and Bake? Oh, that yeah. People did the same exact recipe with?
0: Yeah, she would work it up. And I should call her to double check, but I feel like she would work it up with Fry and Magic. And she'd do squirrel, same way. Same breading, start it in a pan. Then she'd take a big sheet pan and line it with foil and put all those squirrel eggs on there and and throw it in the oven. And you can cover it, too. That's Kevin Murphy. He covers it. And then cooks it in 300 to help tenderize it. A little moist heat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You guys got anything to add to
2: the uh, introductory wall game? I'm on your line of thought.
1: Primal cuts, nice and tender. Just, like, keep them as plain as possible, but season them up just a touch.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because, like... Don't let them get the shit and catch it, man. Yeah. Oh. My old man had a... cat. <laughs> We were allowed to dip deer heart and ketchup. We couldn't dip normal deer meat and ketchup when <laughs> I
2: Yeah, we definitely have like a, this is like, okay, ketchup and mayo meal. For some reason, my kids freaking, they're, they're just as happy dipping in mayo as they are at ketchup. But we definitely like run rules. We're like, nope, this one, nope. You're just you're just going to eat the And meat when I was that. a kid, I just put ketchup on everything. Doesn't matter. You've grown
0: out you're of it. mom, dad, now. let you do that?
2: Yep. But you've grown out of it. Oh, yeah. I still like like
3: ketchup quite a bit, but I definitely don't don't put it on my deer steaks.
2: Yeah. I have another buddy who um, I guided with for uh, quite a few years, and uh, I was just the guy that would often cook in camp when there was no cook and clients were out or whatever, and we'd just be hanging out. And uh, oftentimes, I would spend a bit of time cooking up something, and then he'd sit down and bust out the giant ketchup bottle and just <laughs> pfft, the, over the whole plate, man. It kind of would hurt my heart yeah. a little bit, you know? I'm like, I guess
0: if that's how it is, that's how it is. Need to take your beta blocker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, last thing real quick, last thing real quick, the Meat Eater Live Tour, man, live tour. Go to TheMeatEater.com, you'll find tickets. You'll find all the links to get all your tickets. We got shows coming up, various things coming up. You have to go look. I'm not going to bore you with all the details right now. But stuff coming up. Most of it's already been announced. Tickets are available. Uh, Reno, Salt Lake City, Sacramento, Cleveland, Kalamazoo, Schaumburg, which Jan pointed out is basically Chicago, Houston, Dallas, Portland, Seattle, Lander, Wyoming, Austin, Texas, Boise, Idaho. Meat Eater Live Tour. Get your tickets. That's my th- concluder.
2: That was a good concluder. I don't have one today.
0: You boys got a concluder? I'm all good. Anything you were hoping to wedge in there? Any little snubs? Anything (laughs) bad you wanted to say about Yanni?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm interested in what's going to happen tonight over at the house. Oh,
0: throwing lead and guts?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Dragging the Yule log. Next time.
0: Hey, you ever needed something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? You can do that at Aarons. Yep, you can rent to own appliances like washers, dryers, or refrigerators. Furniture for your living room or bedroom. Even tech. Plus, Aarons has great brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. Life's always changing. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aarons fits your life instead of the other way around. So check out your nearest Aarons store. Or visit Aarons.com to see what I'm talking about approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply you got to see your local store for details this show is sponsored in part by better help it is a simple truth no matter who you are mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference that's why everyone should have access to mental health support that they need and that meets them where they are and helps them get through challenges better help provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible. It's simple to use. You can connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.